Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jacob's Films Perspectives, episode number four. And it's we got the Barbenheimer. That's the most difficult word in the English language for me right now is Barbenheimer. But I I, I love it. Yeah, we got Deontay the Giant and Jacob Smith in the building. So we're pretty much going to cover those two movies in uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And then uh, th- that should be it. Yeah. Uh, you got you, you might have anything extra or anything to, uh, to review on the show? No, not really, no. Yes, sir. Without further ado, we'll get right into the theme song. classy 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 it's like top top tier of of youtube series for for film reviews right there exactly number one i'm just kidding (laughs) should be though so number number one we're going with barbie uh yeah let's go barbie let's let's just jump right into it all righty very first topic of the night man and it's an incredible movie probably go on about it for like hours if i needed to oh yeah absolutely incredible i uh blew me away and blew me away so much i paid 66 bucks for the movie replica hoodie that ryan gossing wears at the end yeah that that hoodie is sick <laughs> Mattel is actually selling that hoodie. Yeah, I think it's they had it in my size. Some sizes already sold out, and I think it's going to be a collector's item. So I went ahead and bought that <laughs> because I am Knuff. I am Knuff. Absolutely, that 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 hoodie was top. Oh man, I, I'm mad I didn't jump in on it. I, I, had to. I may have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's still up there right, right now. It's still up there. It's nice. It's a nice hoodie. Yeah. It's, it just shows like you're 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 down with the squad when when you rock that that hoodie. I'm down with the Barbie, and yeah. I mean, since we're talking about Ryan Gosling, I think he deserves a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this movie. Yeah, because he just kills it. I mean, as you can see in my background, I may be a Ryan Gosling stan, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> he is my favorite actor. I won't. I'll just get that bias out of the way. He's my favorite actor right now. And uh, he just, I loved Margot Robbie in it, but Ryan Gosling stole the show for me. He had the most laughs out of me. I think he was overall best performance. And I think just him as Ken, he just absolutely just kills it. Just absolutely. But Margot Robbie, let's not down her. She deserves Mm -hmm. a nomination as well because she is just great, a stereotypical Barbie in this. Uh, it's good to see her back in a leading role. You know, yeah. lately, most of her movies, she's been like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's kind of the secondary role. And then uh, 
She's in Asteroid City for a little bit, but it's oh. like five five minutes, and then she hasn't been a leading woman in a movie in quite a few years. So it's good to see yeah. her back, and she does amazing as usual. She does kill it. I was like, wow, she really sold Barbie to me as a, as a life size person. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, as a kid, I never played with Barbies, so. I was never, never a Barbie guy. I mean, I know some guys did. I never, I never played with Barbies, or I never had any interest in it, or whatever. But this movie, this movie won me over big time. I mean, it is definitely up there for one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I'd be bold enough to say it's probably it's probably going to be top five or not or top two. Easily top five for me. Easily. I don't think anything will top. It, it won't bounce out of the top five for sure. But, but with that, what's crazy about this year is 2022 compared to this year is dog just trash. Straight this year trash. has had so many good movies already. And like I've seen a lot of people kind of hating on this year, saying this year has been weak for movies. I counted. I have because I have a letterbox. I have seven movies that I give an A plus to this year. Seven movies. And last wow. year I gave an A plus, as far as I can remember, to one movie. And that was the Batman. That was the only movie they got an A plus for me. Man. So I, this year is kind of whooping up on 2022. This has been a great year for movies already. And we're just only halfway through. Dude. I'm I'm kind of proud of all of these directors. They're kind of like going above and beyond for for cinema right now. Greta Gerwig, she's just amazing. She's a great actress. If you've seen, that's a one thing you could take from this review is uh, if you have not seen Francis Ha, which is uh, came out in 2012, 2013. She's an uh, she's the main actress in that it's a coming of age movie it's in black and white it's kind of an artsy filmmaker type movie but it is it is really good and that's the girl that directed this and then it was written by noah bombach and greta gerwig because they're married in real life and uh yeah. he did marriage story which is a great movie on netflix if you haven't seen it and uh also greta gerwig did uh lady bird and then the remake of little women which i both I love both of those movies. So, like, yeah. definitely, if you love Barbie, go back into Greta Gerwig's catalog and go check out what she's acted in and directed because she's a top talent in the industry right now. And Noah Baumbach is. is. That's a power couple for, for filmmakers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I think he actually... He may have... He actually may have directed Frances Ha that she stars in. I can't remember, but... uh that I watched that movie for the first time this year and it's 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 great it's really good yeah I have to check I've heard a lot about Francis high I don't think I've had the chance to see it yet what's up what's, what's going up? on buddy yes sir we're just going over the first topic right now and uh Jacob was going in depth a little bit about uh Barbie Barbie and how you felt about it yeah uh yeah it was it was great there was i would i was teetering on you know i never said if i gave this movie an a plus but 
I'll just get out of the way. This movie's an A plus for me. It's a five out of five, ten out of ten, yeah. whatever you wanna whatever your rating system is, it's that. But uh it was it was it was an A and uh because there is one scene, I will say I do have one nitpick with this movie. There's one scene where America Ferreira, her character, yeah. gives like a five minute speech about women in today. <laughs> And I don't want to say anything that makes me sound like a misogynist because I'm not. I support <laughs> this movie and the feminism and all that. I support that. But it was a little heavy-handed hitting you over the head where she was just like going over everything political. And I was just like, oh, okay, okay. We've seen this already. We we like, we know, I mean, the movie's already t- giving this this information subliminally without yelling it in our ears. And that was kind of like a preachy moment. But it ended it ended so well that I was just like, it's an A plus. I, I had to give it an A plus, just because yeah, like, of the, just because the way it wrapped up. It's an, I have that one little nitpick, but I will say it's an A plus. Yeah, uh, I that ending was so good. Like every mistake made in this movie was kind of forgiven on my end. I was just like, dude. Yeah, what did you give it? I, I, I gave it an A plus for sure. That that's gonna be a solid A plus, ten out of ten. Yeah. So. Okay, we're on the same page here then. And uh, yeah. Uh, shoot, let me think. This this movie just there's a lot to it, and there's a lot to talk about, and it's just like. I don't know where to start, where to dive in. I mean, I mentioned about Greta Gerwig. I wanted to give her her stuff and uh, mention her because you should really go check her out. And uh, I really like this movie, not for just the, because I feel like the message is important. Yeah. But also it has a message about masculinity and toxic masculinity that I didn't, I didn't expect with the whole Kent storyline. Yeah. That I would say it's just as much pro both genders like it's both like there's uh already so many uh people downing this movie and like review bombing it and all that saying it's a feminist movie always oh, just preaching feminism feminine you know it's all it's, that it's, and i just it's it's not because it's yeah it's also preaching like guys you can be on your own too you don't need a woman in your life to be complete like that's the whole arc of kin is he's he can be himself without he feels like he needs barbie the whole movie and then we find you know at the end he's knuff and he needs to find he's, out who he is and like exactly and like i needed that message as well because i struggle with that as well where i'm just like uh sometimes i feel like that like man i need to like date more get out there more and then but like you need to find yourself too man you need to absolutely and you need to figure out who you are first. And this movie had that powerful message that I, I, I mean, I needed to hear it. And it also has great feminist messages in it. And I, uh, I just, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's already like my favorite movie of the year because I, I would not have any shame of going back to see it. And I think one of my biggest complaints is that I wasn't casted to act in this movie because I'm I'm pretty uh, petty about that. 
and um it, it, it looks like the, the actors all had a great time filming this like yeah, that's, that's that. probably one of the most fun sets i've ever seen i i would say so it's, it looks it looks a lot of fun and also just like uh let's give it a round of applause for bringing people back to the movie theater i mean it's if it has like what the biggest box office opening that's not a remake sequel or a comic book movie ever or something like that yeah at least the the greatest box office opening for a, a movie by a female director which is a great accomplishment so just that alone is bringing people back to theaters the whole barbenheimer social media trend is bringing people back to theaters and that's always a good thing i love saying that i love seeing people go to theaters i mean i even went i went on a sunday morning because i told a buddy i'd wait for him and uh there were still tons of people there and uh people dressing you know people of all ages wearing pink you know dressing up in barbie shirts and stuff and it's just like it's nice to see people getting into the spirit of film and like really engaging with movies right and they have people of all ages participating in this this clothing trend when they go to the movies i've seen people from all i've seen kids to like their parents rocking all pink and i was like dude they they got more than just attendance they made it like made a culture out of it yeah it's an event it really is an event and i absolutely love that I was really impressed. I, Bar- Barbie is um, is one of those type of movies where you got to play this for your kids the older they get, so they can keep keep up with the message as they get older, and kind of see what they what they were trying to talk about in between the lines. Uh, and at the end, like when Margot and the the creator of Barbie were having that conversation about like uh, mother stand still because they want their daughter to see how far they've come or something that that line in the movie i was like yo th- this movie's got a lot uh going on uh some po- really positive message messages to be sent some great messages and i'll just i'll call out anybody who's hating on this movie you're an idiot straight right now you're an idiot if you think this movie is pushing a feminist propaganda or if if you're if you're trying to make it political and like yes it does get into political topics but it does it in a way where it's it's not distasteful it covers it well and it's just it's just i don't see how you can hate on this movie because it's it has great messaging all across the board for everyone i mean like i said it has a whole thing about men just like being a man like you can be a man like you don't have to you can show feelings like it had a whole scene where like ken was like I can't show like Barbie tells Kenny can show his feelings and he's like it's like a revelation to him and I, I was like that's I mean that hit hard because you know like especially because I mean especially you, our age you know you're what 32 yeah I'm about to be 25 I mean we grew up you know men are supposed to be tough you're supposed to not show emotion you're not supposed to I mean that's changed it's starting to change now but like growing up in our era it's like you know you're supposed to be tough you're supposed to not show emotion you know not have any like feminist qualities to you you know and like this movie kind of just says the hell with all of that and like you know be your just be yourself and just like you like you can you're enough like you don't need 
you got to find out who you are and you don't need somebody else to help you. You're good. You're enough. You're good on your own. Yep. And, uh, like you can be a man, you can be tough, you can still be tough and show emotions. And like that, just that message alone was great. Cause that, that message needs to be, uh, that has a weird tie in that I'm not going to plug it, but I am going to plug it. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. The film, the, the film I'm actually writing and directing right now has a similar message about toxic masculinity and like how men aren't supposed to show feelings and like men's mental health. And I feel like this movie has a great message on that. That it does needs that is just as important as the feminist qualities of this movie. And I think it's so like they're so intertwined and just like so perfectly put together where it's not besides the one little scene where it gets a little preachy on the feminist side. I, uh, it was just so well done. So well taken care of so well handled. And like, when we go back and look at this movie a decade from now, 20 years from now, I really think we'll see this and Oppenheimer for that matter as an event. Like these two movies were an event in the summer of 2023 that will forever be remembered. I think, I think they yeah. cement their place in history, honestly. And I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's something big. That's probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever given two movies, but I really think both Barbie and Oppenheimer will cement their place in history as very important films in the time they came out for sure. Yeah. They, those two movies have not only done, done, uh, justice by theaters, they've probably done justice by people in general. And they've probably done justice for like the production teams as well. That was involved. So I, I, I really, re I, res I respect the whole cast of both movies. They had all stars on both, both movies. Uh, the writing was good for both movies. Uh, the only reason I would give Barbie the edge over Oppenheimer is just because of the time, uh, a three hour, almost three hours of just, uh, recollecting on, recollecting on, um, Oppenheimer's career. And then Barbie is just like, you get nearly two hours of just like, all right, here's a problem and here's how Barbie's going to solve it. And, and you get even more than that out of this movie. But like yeah, on, a, right. on a on a base level, yeah, uh, Bar Bar Barbie was a lot larger than life. And the movie even says it too, like we, we, de we designed you for this, this, this and that. And uh, and they started, I guess the dolls themselves started evolving too to to keep up with the times. So uh, the fact that they use the concept that everybody is Barbie, or or every woman is Bar Barbie, and every man is Ken, and can be Ken, uh, that that was a that was a pretty awesome message too. It was just like it, it's basically saying like we're all attractive on the same playing field, and I. I that's that's a huge compliment to all of us so I, I i take i take that as a gas up um it basically said we're all beautiful and and we we're I all the standard feeling, i came yeah. out feeling more beautiful than before the movie mm-hmm i did i'll admit it <laughs> yeah. i felt like a beautiful man i mean it's, it's it's very empowering for both genders it's very uh it's a very like i said it's you know, it's, yeah, it is a based off a brand and it is a Mattel movie. You know, it's based off of a doll, 
but at the same time it's so the messaging is so important in this movie it really like i just i can't express how important this movie really is and i it shocked me watching it but i was like this movie's giving like great advice and like just like my buddy james who in the comments said you're knuff like that whole that whole you're knuff thing it's it can be a funny joke but it's also it's a I funny like joke but it also has great like a great message behind it basically saying you know like just because you're a guy doesn't mean uh just because you feel like you need to like the society or something tells you you need to have a girlfriend or you need to have a woman to be happy in life you don't you can figure it you can hang out with your bros you can figure out life on your own and you got to figure out who you are first before you be with somebody else and it's the same for barbie she had to figure out who she is first before she gets with somebody and i feel like that's an important message because i feel like in relationships today they're very toxic and i feel like this has a great message against toxic relationships where it's like no you can take your time figure figure yourself out first what makes you happy what you want to do and then once you're comfortable in yourself then you can go on and be with somebody and i feel like that's a great message in today's world of toxic relationships as well and see like that's why i I had so much trouble like where to start with this movie because there's so many messages it's just like but you and you, you know that can be sloppy if it's done wrong but they the script is so tight that it's not it's not sloppy at all it's all perfectly placed it's all well done besides that one little scene i think it's a perfect film yeah honestly that scene did push push their luck just a little bit but uh honestly yeah i i'm just mad i wasn't in the cast i I really would have enjoyed like goofing off with all those guys, and I, pr- I probably wouldn't like the dance routine that much. But I, all the other goofing off, that was that was. It looked like they had a great time. It does. Ryan Gosling just killed me the whole movie. He is so hilarious in that movie. I love that scene where uh, I guess because we can talk into spoilers now. Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, when Barbie asks him to go somewhere, and he's like, "Hold on, give me a second. and he goes behind the little pillar and he goes sublime <laughs> he goes sublime yeah. and i'm just like that is so something i would do like that is so me. like and like and then he comes out and he's like yeah that sounds cool <laughs> like he he just his comedic timing is just on point the whole movie and the whole beach off scene he's like i'll beat you off he's like you're not gonna beat him off without beating me off and i'm just like <laughs> The, and it's a perfect word to use because it works with beach but when you say it fast it sounds like you're saying beat and it's like and it's just so hilarious dude i mean <laughs> there are so many moments that had me dying laughing in the theater yeah. and for a movie to be that hilarious but that but to have so much great messaging and powerful messaging in it it's just a, a feat like a huge accomplishment to be able to do that because that is i don't know how hard people don't realize how hard towing the line between comedy and messaging is and just like being able to tow that line perfectly like they did and like i said they had a little mishap there with that one scene but they just did everything else so perfectly that you forgive that little five minute part because it's just they told it so perfectly where it's like comedic when it needs to be it's heartwarming and heartfelt when it needs to be and it's just just absolutely just an outstanding movie outstanding film yeah especially like when that opening scene or when they finally made it to the high school to, to see sasha 
up and and sasha did this whole tear down of, of barbie and all that like even that didn't bother me because no, it, it, that one worked for me i was like that yeah, yeah i was like i could see a girl of that age feeling that way about barbie because it is because it is also it kind of is a generational movie where it kind of shows different ideas of the different generations with the mom with the daughter and then you got the older lady that created barbie and it's like and like uh will ferrell and i will say i'm not the biggest fan of will ferrell sometimes i feel like he scr- no. he's his humor is screaming like a little kid but i actually he was great in this movie his humor yeah. landed in this movie he's probably like the second or third funniest out the whole cast for me yeah he killed me in this movie and he's like i want you to call me mother and i'm just like <laughs> this movie is just and she's like no i'm not gonna do that and it's like this movie is just absolutely <laughs> hilarious the beat you off scene the i am knuff sublime i've been quoting this movie since i've seen it it's such a quotable movie too like these are these these are memorable quotes that'll probably stay in the cultural mainstream for years to come it's probably going to be a one of those movies people are quoting 30 40 years down the line like people quote you know top gun from the 80s and breakfast club and movies like that this will probably be one of those movies that people quote when we're 50 60 years old down the line yeah i definitely i'll, I'll say beat beat you off <laughs> I, i've been saying it so much lately i've been saying this so i've been saying i am knuff lately too i like that and the whole kenergy and the school and the soundtrack not really the score the score is not it's more of a soundtrack based movie than a score based movie the soundtrack yeah. is, i will say i didn't care for the lizzo part i'm not a lizzo fan don't hate on me don't attack me but I don't, I, I'm not, I've never been a fan of Lizzo. I don't like her. So like that, the whole Lizzo song was kind of a rough opening, but then the rest of the soundtrack is great. Like Dua Lipa song in there is great. Billie There's, Eilish song. Oh, Billie Eilish. That was a great moment. That's yeah. great. That was the, her song fit perfectly with the emotional scene that it was put placed with. Definitely. And then Charlie XCX, he was a, pop star that i actually really like she has a song in there that is actually just absolutely so catchy and it's really great in the movie and uh i've been listening to the barbie album since i've watched the movie i've had listened to some of the songs and like i was just telling deontay before we went live the Nicki minaj and ice spice version of barbie girl is just it's it's a great song like it's 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 heat it's heat yeah that was a very successful remix of it and that's that's impressive that those two pulled it off together yeah and it's and that's kind of like because Nicki minaj is more like i spice is kind of a newer generational artist Nicki minaj has been around since you know i was you know i feel like i'm old so i guess (laughs) Nicki minaj feels like of my era whereas i spice feels of of like the younger era so like i feel like it was like two eras of female rappers coming together to make this awesome remix and that's a great accomplishment in of itself right there this whole project was genius it was just pure genius at its at its finest oh just absolutely Um, just yeah i I, I, yeah i I feel like we're just absolutely just stroking this movie but like it, (laughs) it it deserves it because it is it is so great it really is it shocked me 
Yeah, I, I knew the movie was going to be uh, when I saw the Rotten Tomato and the IGN scores. I was like, oh, this movie is definitely going to be a problem. But I didn't know it was going to be that good. Yeah, I was expecting maybe an A or A minus. I was expecting. I mean, I when I I've been excited for this movie for about two years now. Ever since Greta Gerwig was announced and Margot Robbie was the star, I was like, oh, I'm in. And then Ryan, yeah. once Ryan Gosling was cast as Ken, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> That's my dude. That's my favorite actor of all time. I was like, that's I'm in. And He's it's the just perfect like Ken. he literally is the perfect Kim. Ken. Ken. Yeah. And like it's just it is it is such a like and even Ryan Gosling, he absolutely kills it with his singing. Cause like he's actually <sighs> singing. Cause I mean he has some of that background because he does have a band actually. And uh um. He is a singer. He does have a band. Uh, I forgot what the band's called, but uh, he's been on tour with a band before. And he, in La La Land, of course, mm -hmm. he sings. But uh, I'm just Ken as a banger, bro. Honestly, thought uh, I thought Ryan was using like somebody else's voice. I didn't know. I, I had a feeling no, it was him. It. And he actually, wow. that was actually him. He's a singer. I found out today that he's a singer. That's crazy. Yeah. His song, I'm Just Ken, absolutely slaps. It's like, dude, I wonder if, like, the other people joined in and, like, sung with him, like, like really sung with him at, at the, that scene where they're at the campfire on the beach or something like that, and they were all singing along. I don't, I don't know. Like, because the guy that played the Ken that was opposite to him, uh, the dude that played Shang-Chi, uh, yeah. he... He had great chemistry with Ryan on on set, and in real life, he actually really really dances. So that choreography was right up his alley. Uh, whenever they had that dance routine, I was like, dude. Speaking of that, when when Ken starts just moving on the floor, like he he looks like he's he's like getting mad because the other kids are dancing with Barbie, and he's just like he just starts snapping his fingers and he's like going on the floor. That scene just had me dying. Yeah, so <laughs> they were so petty throughout the movie. They're talking about if you they talk about literally me characters. I am literally Ryan Gosling as Ken in this movie. Like I related <laughs> to this Ryan Gosling's Ken more than I wanted to, more than I should have. But <laughs> I I really that's a literally me character where I was like, ah, that's literally something I would do. Like that is me. Like him as Ken, I am just he is yeah. definitely. I am Ken. Ken is me. Man, I'm. I, I swear, this movie. I, I best thirteen dollars. I had, not 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 even thirteen. Probably like nine or ten dollars. I invested into it, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. To oh yeah, I plan on rewatching both of these. Actually, oh, I man. do. I wanna. I wanna get a. I wanna get another look at it, but uh before they leave but i mean like this movie i mean i love this movie so much like i said as soon as i left the theater i bought that i am knuff hoodie that he wears at the end i literally <laughs> bought that hoodie and i put it on my snapchat story and people probably thought it was a joke but i'm telling you guys right now right here now i paid money for that hoodie and i'm that hoodie is coming into my house and i will be wearing that hoodie this winter so absolutely like, like, so as soon as it gets cold outside throw that sucker on i'm throwing that sucker on and like it's hilarious because I now I was thinking about this last night. I must be a Ryan Gosling super fan. I have the movie 
I have the exact movie replica jacket of his drive jacket right here. And then Ooh. a few years ago, I spent over too much on, on that jacket with the scorpion on the back. And uh, now I'm going to have the hoodie he wears in Barbie. And it's it's from Mattel. It's the official movie licensed movie replica hoodie. And I'm, I'm like over here starting a collection of what Ryan Gosling wore in movies, I guess. Because I'm just like, you're going to build a shrine. <laughs> I have both of those now. It's just like, and I, I plan on wearing both this winter. So, yeah, especially if you meet Ryan in person and you get to wear that in front of him. Yeah, I'd wear the drive yeah. jacket all day. <laughs> if I got to meet Ryan Gosling, I'd wear the drive jacket all day because that's still my favorite Ryan Gosling film. But, like, man, this movie. And, like, let's talk about, I'm trying to think, because I, I want to get praise everywhere I can in this movie. Absolutely. Let's talk about the. You mentioned a little bit the production designers. They just, my lord, they, I just don't even want to think about the effort they put into the set of Barbie Land. My God. Barbie World. Uh, is Barbie World or Barbie Land? It's one of those. Barbie Land, yeah. Barbie Land. But my lord, the amount of pink in the production design is insane. And it's like, you don't see that in movies anymore. And it's like, it's another testament to like old filmmaking where it's like they actually built a real set and like it looks like a Barbie land. Like props to the production designers and the people that the costumes, all of those people that made the costumes, all the people, because I mean, all the outfits were incredible. All the costumes yeah. were incredible. All of the Barbie dresses, all the Kent stuff. I mean, just props to the costume department, the production design department, props to all of them. They deserve more credit than they get because I can't even imagine the work they put into this movie, building that Barbie land set. Yeah, they went so hard. I was like, dude, they made every Barbie actually look really good. And it's there's like, even like, they got Issa Rae as the president. Yeah. And they got Dua Lipa as a mermaid Barbie. And it's like, they even got like famous people in here as other Barbies, and it's just like every everybody does just a great job. And like Dua Lipa, she's a singer, but like she does great as Mermaid Barbie. It's just she does. John Cena. John Cena Mermaid. <laughs> Mermaid, Mermaid Barbie. Barbie. Like just like everybody, just across the board, the cat the casting was perfect. Yeah, and Mike Michael Sarah's role is oh. Michael Sarah, that's my boy. I love ever since Superbad. I love Michael Sarah. He is just, and him as Alan is just hilarious. That is my whole personality as a nutshell. Is Alan Alan's person? <laughs> I, I he that's another literally literally me character is Alan from let's mm -hmm. let's let's give some praise to Alan because he, he needs more praise. Michael Sarah is a he needs more praise in this movie because he kills it. I heard somebody like joking. I don't know if they were joking around or not, but he might get his own spinoff or spinoff film or something like that. That would, oh, that, that, that movie would probably be really good, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I hope though that it stands alone. I hope they don't make any spinoffs. I hope they don't do anything else. I, I, I wanted this movie to be its own thing. Because like I don't want it to be a franchise. I want it to be just a stamp, just one film. It's a stamp. We got it. Let's do something else. Like because I don't think you could do anything more 
perfect with the whole Barbie character or anything. Yeah, because have a, a, like a Barbie two or a Barbie three would definitely start to water down a little bit. Like how how much further can you go on, on all the topics that you already covered? Yeah, it's just the the screenwriting is just they writ just such a tight script just such a tight like when you look at the writing of this movie such a tight script and when she goes and she meets and they also pay homage to barbie and like the creator of barbie and like i didn't even know who created barbie until this movie you know i just yeah. never thought of, i never thought about it and like i know it's not the real creator because she's dead but like the actress i got to play her played the mom in matilda if you've seen matilda for all yeah. you 90s 90s kids you know but like just that whole scene where she's Barbie and it's like it was so profound when Barbie wants to become human and she's like are you sure you want to like become human and like she gives her those glimpses of what like being a human will be yeah. and it was just like absolutely just like beautiful and it was like you know it's it, and I love how they're like it's terrifying that human beings are like you, you, they're like human being a human being is terrifying I love that message too absolutely there's absolutely no certainty with the real world and they kind of push that message too like if you, mm -hmm. you, if you choose the real world just know stuff coming with it and she's like just know i mean the real world has you you die like yeah and I, like it it brought like a, a very existential message to the movie where it brought it just above a fun blockbuster it went into like a art art type film like a a24 type film yeah. feel where it was like you know the existentialness of like being a human being is terrifying and like you only have so much time on this earth and like i love that scene when barbie's sitting down and she's like looking at all the people on the beach and like there's one guy that's sitting there depressed and then like there's a like a couple and then there's like the old lady and it's like she's seeing she's finally seeing that like life isn't perfect like people go yeah. through things you're gonna have you're gonna have your ups and downs yeah and uh the creator the the creator of barbie at the end of the movie also pointed out that uh like there are certain concepts that people come up with just to help them um get a grasp on life or something like that because she was talking about like patriarchy and all that stuff and and it, like when it when it comes down to it yeah she, she she hit it right on the nail uh and the fact that people rely on these talking points for so long and it's just divisive and, and and it distracts you from like your purpose like get become leveling up uh identifying yourself and and having an understanding of who you are and not being ashamed to live the, the way you want to live um so she wrapped all of that up in just a few sentences so i, I was really impressed that the script was that good for every character yeah, I, I love that whole scene too. When she just kind of like it's kind of like a void, basically. She's, yeah. She's kind of like a white void, and I I love that scene. It, oh, dude, I I ain't gonna lie. I, I got really really close to crying when Billie Eilish came. Billy Eilish came on with during that scene. Oh, I, I, oh, it, the hair the hair on my arm stood up for sure. I was like, what? Why it's so that song is so touching and that that's on top of that scene and everything that was happening in it i was like god that was really yeah. impressive for an ending it was just so great and then like 
I think what really sold it, like, capped the bottle on it was when at the end, you know, we see Barbie now in the real world. And she's getting all ready, and you think she's just, she, you think she's getting, it's, you think it's going for that cliche ending where she's just like, she's going for a job interview. She's going to get a job. And then she walks in and she's like, Who are you here for? And she's like, I'm here to see my gynecologist. And I'm just, I just, I was just like, that was, and then it just ends. And I was like, that is the perfect ending. Cause like the whole yeah. movie, you talk about how Barbie and Ken, they don't have private parts. And like, you know, she became <laughs> human. So, I mean, I guess she developed that when she became human and like, cause when it was ending, it had the upbeat music and it was like, I think they did that on purpose. It was a, it was a, it was a switch on the, uh, on the audience for sure. Cause like they set it up where it's going to be like one of those cheesy endings to like a good rom-com where it's like, oh, the girl gets the job in the end. And like, I was like, oh, please don't do this. Cause I heard the music swelling and she walks in. But then when she was like, I'm here to see my gynecologist, I was like, you, you just, you just switched it on me. You outsmarted me. You like, and like perfect ending, perfect ending. It just went to black after that. Perfect ending, man. Yeah. That, that was completely unpredictable. I had no idea what she was going to say next. I honestly did think she was going to go up and ask for like a job application or interview or something like that. She sprung that out. And I was like, well, because she's all dressed up and you think she's going for like they set it up for she's going for a job interview. But it's they they even end it with a joke and the comedic timing on it and everything was perfect. Yeah, that's one of those like I made you look type of things that Greta Greta probably threw in there just to mess with people. And I I, I love that's that's the point of the movie. Where I was like, OK, A plus. Like, OK, mm -hmm. I can't just A plus. Give it to it. Yeah, it's. It, like if people didn't really go to for a feminist message you could still go and, and get something even better out of there like you there's there's something for everybody in this movie. oh yeah it's it's hilarious and they're talking about you know kids not wanting to see this and i can see that because some of it isn't for kids but again it's pg-13 and they never market it towards kids all the marketing i've seen is never been towards kids i've never seen you know i haven't seen any Thing where it's like this is for kids they've come out right and said many times in the making of the movie this is going to be a more adult pg-13 movie but even then i mean i'm not a parent but i feel like as a, if i was a parent i would be okay with letting my kids see this movie because i feel like it's they're not going to the kids aren't going to get the adult jokes but they are going to still pick up on the little nice messages especially between the daughter and i oh. i wanted i forgot the character's name but america ferrera the character yeah. she plays yeah I, they they said her name but the names like slipped past my mind i know the daughter's name was sasha yeah sasha but. and america ferrera being her mom they could like a lot, especially a lot of little like teenage girls could really like relate to that message and then you look at like you know bo boys like growing up like hey it's okay to show feelings and like it's like it has such an impact on every every age can learn something. It's like you know, like all the way till you're like 80, where they like uh, Margot Robbie looks at that old lady and she's like, "You're so beautiful," and she's like, "I know." <laughs> that old lady yeah. knew she was the shit. Yeah, Bar Barbie just sat there on the on the bench on that bench, and she's just like, 
I, I could appreciate that joke. And it's just like she took time out of her like perfect mindset and her world to stop and smell the roses. And I thought that was a beautiful scene because of that, too. It's like she's absorbing in the real world. Uh, for, but my the last thing I will add to that is uh, Ken, when he went to the real world and his curiosity and finding out that men actually run the real world, his curiosity killed me because he he couldn't control himself. Uh, he was snatching patriarchy books. and <laughs> Yeah. He's like horses. He just became fascinated <laughs> with horses. Like a man on a horse is true strength. <laughs> it's an extension of us. Yeah. <laughs> he, he went I, back I, to teach that. To the <laughs> I loved all that. And then he's like, uh, when he, and then at the end, he's like, really, I just like the horses. He was like, I didn't. <laughs> at the end, when like he's explaining to Barbie why he did all that, he's like, really, I, I, I didn't even care for the the patriarchy stuff i just like the horses <laughs> it's like it, it would have been a good idea but they didn't do anything for horses or something like that and i i, I was crying uh, ryan gosling had me rolling the whole movie oh yeah i feel like i feel like overall he he was my favorite performance margot robbie gives just as good as a performance but ryan gosling is my favorite then margot robbie for sure but like both of them deserve Oscar nominations for this movie. And Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, this deserves the Best Picture nomination, I think. It probably Absolutely. won't get it because it is in that blockbuster realm, you know, those movies. But I don't know because Top Gun Maverick last year got a nomination. If Top Gun and Maverick got a nomination last year, this should definitely get a nomination this year. Yeah, I, a lot more people should go. And, and honestly, it's doing a great job of continuing sales. So I think it's going to cover a lot of of uh, moviegoers by the time it, it, it leaves the uh, theaters. Like it's great for people like us that like really want to dive into film and like want messaging and we want deep themes and we want like great storytelling, but it's also just as good as just like a fun summer blockbuster at the same, like it doubles as both. So like any, any film fan, if you're getting to just end the movies, even if you're not a big movie fan, I still think you should go see this. Like I think everybody can get something out of this movie yeah absolutely uh but yeah 10 out of 10 a plus that's all the, that's all i had for barbie uh, unless you you had anything else nope i i think we praised it as much as we could i mean we cut this so much to touch on the movie we could sit here for hours and hours and still not touch everything and that's just a testament to how great the script was and how they really pulled off um a great just a great movie yeah we if we really would have went in depth with barbie this probably would have been like a two or three hour podcast but <laughs> yeah we still got it would have been worth the conversation though yeah exactly we, we, we don't we i think we've hit the notes basically if you're a human being who has feelings go see barbie yeah don't be an incel go see barbie <laughs> yeah don't be an incel go see barbie <laughs> yes sir that's it for barbie so we finally get to move on to movie no number two and that is christopher nolan's oppenheimer Ooh, this movie woof. yes lord <sighs> what a movie what a lot to talk like just thinking about it, you're just like oh what are, what to talk 
talk about. My God. And, like, I will say, I'll just get out of the way right now. Christopher Nolan is my favorite director of all time. So he is the GOAT. There may be a little bias with my review. I'll just precursor my review with there is yeah. a little bit of no one. I'm a no one fanboy. I will admit it. People have called me a no one fanboy, and I am a no one fanboy. So just before I t- say anything, just know that. But uh, this movie is a masterpiece. It is. I mean, it's it is so profound and it is so well executed and i'm still shocked you know there's still the i mean i guess i'll give my grade out the gate i mean this is obviously a 10 out of 10 a plus two and uh but before we dive into it what did you think about it because like this movie i haven't heard a lot like I've heard more about Barbie than Oppenheimer, and I haven't heard a lot of people's opinions on Oppenheimer yet, so I'm interested. Yeah, Oppenheimer, for me, I would have given it a perfect score. I I think some parts of the movie might have been stretched a little bit, and uh, the first time I went, I was a little bit tired, so uh, me and my friends kind of like were on and off, like passing out but uh i i stayed awake for quite a bit of it so i was able to follow the plot from start to finish even even though i missed like a a scene or two but uh oppenheimer over overall like that movie would be like a nine or a 9.5 for me and then um that would definitely be like a solid a maybe a minus on on a bad day but solid a i can i can, I can give that because barbie secured that plus for me and if i give out two a pluses and it's just like mm, i i might be doing my my, my uh crit, critic system a little injustice but i don't know maybe i'm tripping i'm you know what i'm perfectly fine i i'm i'm the idiot that's giving out the two a pluses i don't care if people <laughs> think my critic system is broken because both of these movies is are amazing both of them are amazing there is nothing like i i will remember the double feature of barbie and oppenheimer like this is like i said with barbie this is an event that's going to go down like both of these movies just brought people to the theaters it made people engage with cinema and film and that's always important so yeah especially with the social media trend and everything that they had going on with i mean all over social media people like i mean like you know people i went to school with and like people that i know that don't even really care about movies or anything or getting into this and i'm just like you know the 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 film guy of me wants to be like oh well i was i've always been a nolan fan like what you guys are just bandwagoners jumping on the bandwagon but at the end of the day i am happy that more people are opening themselves up to film and letting a film consume them and take their lives. <laughs> right. That is extreme escapism, especially with Oppenheimer. Yeah. Because like, I mean, God, Oppenheimer, I don't even know where to start on Oppenheimer. Honest. Like, and like Christopher Nolan came out and he said that he didn't use any practical or uh, visual effects on this movie. That's all practical which there is a few things where i'm like 
how did you do that? Because there is a few things where I'm like, I could see where he could use miniatures instead of CGI, but there's a few parts in this movie where I'm like, you had to have used visual effects there. Yeah. So I think that may have been a little out of blown state, overblown statement there, but I mean, no pun intended, overblown, but like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that the amount of like the amount of work in Barbie, the amount of work that went into this movie was even more like the scale and the scope of this movie, the amount of practical effects they used. He used a real explosion. He didn't use that nuclear explosion. We see when they test the atom bomb is a real explosion. They did like, it's not CGI. Like he, I mean, like my God, Christopher Nolan, you go like you monster. Like, I can't imagine the painstaking work. And then is it, I think it's Killian Murphy is how you say his name. Yeah. He deserves, he deserves a nomination for best actor. I honestly think he should win best actor over Margot Robbie and Barbie, but like, yeah, he just, he gave his all the role. He lost so much weight. He's so thin. And like, I heard he only ate like an apple and something a day. Like he lost a lot of weight. Like he did like method acting Christian Bale stuff with this role. Wow. And, like, he just like absolutely just blows it out of the park. Cause he's a very, cause Oppenheimer obviously was a very complicated guy. And like he plays that perfectly because like the whole movie, you're not for him, but you're not against him at the same time. He's a very moral, morally ambiguous character. Like you're yeah, never, yeah, yeah. You never see him as the hero. You never see him as the strict villain either. He's just a morally ambiguous person where you're like, I don't know about this guy. The whole movie, you're like, I don't know if this guy is good or not. Because sometimes yeah. he's so egotistical and cocky. And then other times you're like, well, he does have a heart because he is like, oh my God, what have I done there at the end? But like, and to be able to portray all of that and just like, just top tier performance. And he deserves yeah. more love because he's been in movies since the early 2000s. I've seen him in, and like, he never gets the love he deserves. He was in the Dark Knight trilogy, Scarecrow. I mean, he's been in so many great movies, and he never gets any love. And shout out to Killian Murphy. That man is a great actor. Yeah, he definitely stole that role. I didn't. I did not see Killian Murphy in that movie oh. at all. I just saw Robert or Robert J. Oppenheimer. I, I guess his full name is. And I, he sold it so good too. I was look. I thought I was looking at Oppenheimer the entire movie. And actually, if you seen like a picture of Oppenheimer, the real Oppenheimer, and put it side by side with with Celia, they kind of look. They kind of favor quite a bit. They do. Yeah, he's, I was like, he's a very impressive. skinny, tall man. Yeah, one of the greatest minds in 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 this country. And like. What's crazy is that at least in my history, my learning in school, I did not learn much about him in school. It was always about Truman and the atomic bomb in Japan. You always heard about Truman. And like, there's even a line with Gary Oldman who plays Truman. It was nice seeing Gary Oldman back, you know, Detective Gordon from the Dark Knight trilogy. But Absolutely. him as Truman, he was like, you know, nobody's gonna remember you for the bomb. They're gonna remember me for it. And he, that line is, completely true because like in in all my history classes when we talked about hiroshima and the japan and the world war ii atomic bomb truman comes up truman was the one that dropped the bomb you know truman did it you never i heard about uh, the only 
time I ever heard about Oppenheimer was like when we studied like the making of the bomb in like a day or one day or something. Like you barely ever heard about him. Like yeah. he kind of was buried in history. They kind of buried and him in history. It's and like, like left I would, in history books. Yeah, it makes you it makes you wonder like did he really lose his credibility or, or, or like why did Truman get in-depth coverage but he didn't get in-depth coverage? Yeah, I don't. And this, I learned so much from this movie. Like I learned, like this yeah. movie was like educational too, because like I learned so much about that whole process and I didn't even know. And it's sickening. It is absolutely sickening to watch when they're picking the towns and they're like, well, there's 12 cities in Japan. We could drop this that is big enough to see the impact of this. And I'm just like, you're just sitting there hearing this and you're like, that's that's my country that did that like they did yeah. that back in the day i know it's a film but it's pretty accurate i'm pretty sure to what happened in real life and like my country did that like that makes you you sit there and think like we're living in a, a country that like back in the 40s they sat there and just picked a city at random just and playing god it. yeah and it's completely just wiped that place out like and like there's even a joke in there where the guy's like, well, we can't do Kyoto because me and my wife honeymoon there. and It's a great city. We can't bomb that city. I, and I, I mean, I laughed at that, but at the same time, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you guys are crazy. You just think it because, okay, so it gets spared because you honeymoon there. Like, gosh, I bet the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki wish they, they would have came and honeymooned there. Exactly. Like. like turn those cities into a vacation spot so they don't get hit <laughs> it's, it's like it's sickening and it's sickening to know because like you grow up knowing like oh the atomic bomb ended the war like we had to do this but then you learn in the film japan they they were they weren't going to admit defeat but they were already they, they were basically already defeated when we dropped the bomb and that we actually started making the bomb for germany until germany surrendered and like yeah. i can see germany deserving an atomic bomb because of hitler and the right. Nazis, but like Japan, I mean Pearl Harbor, you know they they did some terrible stuff in World War Two and all that. But like, yeah, and it ended it ended it ended, it ended the war. It saved lives, but at the same time, it's like, was that necessary? And then the movie question leaves you with that question still, and kind of it 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 leaves you with like you testing your own like your own morals and your own like human nature. You're just like it like hits you. At least for me, it hit me down in my core. Where I, it made me like you can ask my friend this at the end of the movie, the end scene. I will say this right now: the ending of Oppenheimer is one of the greatest endings in cinematic history. Yeah. The it end really scene was. after he talks with Albert Einstein, he's standing there. You see the rain hitting his hat, and he's just looking. And then you see what he's imagining all the rockets going up in the sky. And yeah. you're basically, he's basically like, What have I done? What have I unleashed on this world? And like, I had goosebumps from head to toe. And I sat there during the credits for five minutes, staring at my feet not saying a word my my friend who went and saw it with me he leaned over he was like you good man you good i was like you, you gotta give me i was like you gotta give me a second bro I was like, you gotta give me a second. 
I was sitting there just staring at my, I was sitting here staring at my feet like this, mouth wide open, just, it literally, no pun intended, blew me away. Like, I, I cannot, it felt like an atomic bomb had hit me emotionally. Like, I, it hit me to my human core where it was like, it is, it's such a huge scale movie, but it hits on the, it hits on the soul, the minutia of like, human beings and like how capable we are the evils we are we are capable of and then it makes you think about your own life and the bad stuff you've done in your own life and i mean yes this was on a much bigger scale obviously like tons of people died much bigger scale but then it makes you self-reflect and you're like well it makes you think about the terrible things you've done in your life or you feel as terrible or the bad things you've done in your life and it's like it makes you question your own morality and like what would i have done and like what like you know and it's just like for a movie to be such a big scale and about something set in history but to have that metaphorical metaphysical like thing to it where it's yeah. like it's true to your human core that is unheard of that is like like people were calling this this might be the most important film of this century i agree with that i completely Absolutely. agree with that. like this might be the most important film of this century because it makes you look at yourself and it makes you question like everything you do like it makes you question everything you do and like everything you've learned and like what you know and like the government and like it makes you look at the u.s and you're like you know we're, we were raised as like the u.s is the greatest country in the world but then you look at it and it's like man we did some crazy shady stuff bro <laughs> yeah we did america is like we should we should be under fire or at least some kind of scrutiny because when when this movie is travels internationally people are going to be like oh that, that explains a lot this like i'm i'm intrigued i was thinking about that while watching the movie i was like i'm intrigued to know what other countries think about this movie because it is we because it is it will be a different perspective because from our perspective and how we're raised you know, I don't know how they're taught in other countries, but why, how we were taught in other countries is we were heroes in World War II and we ended the war. And yeah, there were heroes in World War II, like D-Day, we invaded Normandy, we helped stop the Nazis in Germany. So of course we were heroes because we helped end Hitler and Nazis. But at the same time, we did some very questionable, terrible things to people that did not deserve it, like just ordinary citizens and it just makes you question like man what's worth what like you know like was was it worth it like there's people yeah, well, that like it wiped out because like it wiped out so many people like i think they said in the movie like two hundred twenty thousand was the total casualties and like there's after and like this is another thing i loved since you probably like this too because you're a horror fan this is the closest no one has ever gotten to directing horror like if you watch all his whole film, I've seen his entire filmography besides his first film following, but I know enough about it because it's not a feature film take. It's only 50 minutes, I think. Uh, yeah. But I've seen all of his movies multiple times. And uh, this is the most he delves into horror with the whole scene where he's in the auditorium and everybody's cheering Oppenheimer on. And then he just sees them with their faces peeling off and like, he steps on a body and it's completely ash and it's like he's seeing yeah. like and he's hearing the screams of a little japanese girl and it's like jesus like christopher and and it 
this is sad to say because it's horrifying and I'm glad he portrayed it that way, but I would love to see Christopher Nolan direct a horror film after seeing that. Yeah, I honestly want to see him cover like another controversial figure that that got probably got forgotten about too cuz if if he oh, yeah. if he goes this hard for Oppenheimer, he's going to be he just started a rabbit hole that could take him way way back to show us like how crazy America really is and how some of the choices we made in each war have uh shaped the, the rest of the, the world. And I kind of want to see his take on Vietnam, honestly. Vietnam yeah. would be interesting. And like the the one man was like responsible behind like some of the worst parts of it. It's just like and like stellar cast. My God. Like yeah. stellar cast. Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, my God. But like man. Uh <laughs> Oh man, Josh Peck, Drake and Josh, Josh Peck, uh, Alden Ironrick, the guy that played Han Solo, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Jack Quaid from The Boys, Jack Quaid from The Boys and Scream, yeah, uh, Matt Damon, uh, Josh Hartnett. I haven't seen him in a long time. It was good seeing Josh Hartnett back, uh. This cast was just like you can't even name them all. There's so many familiar faces though you've seen another. Like I saw so many people. I was like, oh, I saw him in that movie. Oh, the elf from Santa Claus. Yeah. It's chubby in this movie. It's hard to tell it's him, but he was the he's the help head elf from the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, I, I forgot his name in the movie. He's the guy with the slick back hair and the glasses that's really close with Oppenheimer. What's his, I forgot his name. Slick back hair and the glasses. Slick back hair and the glasses. He's, he's, uh, he's kind of a chunkier guy. Was he the one with the accent, the really thick accent? Or no, that's a different guy. Who's he had like he? a Brooklyn type accent. The other guy with glasses. But he's unrecognized. His name is David Krumholtz is the actor, but he's unrecognizable. Like it's just and I don't know if he gained weight for the role, if he was already that bit that size, if he if they added prosthetics. I don't know. And that's another thing they did at the end there, when they made everybody look old. I thought they did great with those old age. Like they didn't use CGI, no de aging like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I was, I was like, I don't, I didn't know if that was like CGI or did they just really went crazy with the makeup? They the makeup. Shout out to the makeup team for that one. And uh, I love that when Albert Einstein was like, "They'll celebrate you, they'll hate you for it, but then they'll celebrate you, and you'll be eating pudding and coleslaw or whatever he said." And he's like, "And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna accept it, but you yourself, you know what you've done." And it's like. That God, that final scene just smacked me like a ton of bricks. I was like, because it shows him as an old person, and he's just like sitting there, everybody celebrating him. But you can still tell he's like, "What have I done?" Like, he gave mankind the weapon to wipe itself out. Because of him, there's a whole new. The world changed completely. Like the world literally changed, and like because splitting atoms, that's something that you're not supposed to be able to do. That's something. That like you learn in science class and stuff. That's something that is like, if you believe in God, that's something that's godlike. That's something that's like, you're not supposed to mess with the universe in that way by splitting atoms. And like, 
we 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 did that just so we could prove that we were powerful like we played god and became a he literally became destroyer of worlds he became death like he literally learned how to split an atom and like along with the other scientists it wasn't just him there's other scientists there helping him but he was the main guy behind it all that had the idea he definitely took some accountability for his actions so i do respect oppenheimer in that aspect of it of it uh if, so if killian pretty much was nailing his personality to the t and that's like a the most accurate depiction of who oppenheimer was like to the t yeah oppenheimer was definitely a, a complex dude and his chemistry with albert einstein kind of shed more light on who he actually is and what type of human being he is down to his core so that was pretty cool i just love seeing albert einstein and i've always i've always loved albert einstein since i was a little kid i've always had a fascination with him because like this dude was a genius and like just seeing him in a movie i I don't think i've ever seen him in a movie until i I lied i've seen him in night at the museum but i in a serious (laughs) movie this is the first time I've ever seen anybody play him in like a serious role. And it was whoever played him. I don't know the actor, but did amazing. Whoever it was. Yeah. I, 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 I actually, I, I, I loved, I love that version of Albert and that's supposed to be like to the T like who Albert was. And the fact that he had a relationship sort of with Oppenheimer, like two of the greatest minds of all time are like, like acquaintances. I wouldn't say, friends or like best friends but they were definitely acquainted and they talked quite a bit about things and albert gave oppenheimer a chance to like think it over and oppenheimer's like i'm just i'm just on a journey trying to explore something i mean if they take it make a bomb out of it and drop it on countries he didn't put a gun to their head to make them do it they chose to do it on their own and oppenheimer was trying to drive that home quite a bit himself like throughout the movie, he was just like, I didn't drop the bomb, they did. And, but but then you could tell, but then you tell he was struggling with like, I basically did do this. Yeah, I, I, I gave them this power. It's just like, man, I guess, the, I guess those kids, that's all those kids, families, men, women, and children, all that was on him. And it, it shows you how strong his conscience is. That, if anything, to be one of the smartest men ever and have a conscience that strong. And I, I saw where they said Christopher Nolan came out and said that the black and white scenes are objective and the scenes we see in color are subjective. So like when what we see from the black and white is an objective point of view. So I guess that's what really happened, what really went on or whatever. And then the subjective point of view, of course, is the, the scenes of color where uh i guess it's kind of told from oppenheimer's point of view or like what he did because it's based off of a book and actually i went to barnes and noble after watching the movie trying to find the book and uh, they didn't didn't have the book that the barnes and noble i went to but uh i am interested in reading the book it's called american prometheus i think it's what it's called it it was i'm 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 probably going to look for that movie or i'm gonna look for that book too because that that that, if i if i ever pick up a book and i want to like lose myself in reading it that's the book that I, i'd like to have my hands yeah, on. and that's another testament to the movie because i hate reading i've never I, I used to love reading as a kid i hate i i do not have the attention span to sit and read a book 
But the fact that a mo- I love the movie affected me so much that right after the movie was over, I went to a store to see if I could get the book it was based off of. That just tells you how much I love this movie if I was willing to do that and read it. Yeah, that book's probably going to be hard to find on the internet after Oppenheimer dropped. Oh, yeah, I bet it's going to go up in price. It's going to be crazy expensive. Yeah. But it is, God. uh, God, it is just. It's worth movie, every penny. That movie is just, whew. like I said, I sat there for five minutes staring at my feet, questioning my own life decisions. And like, I've had maybe a few movies make me do that. And like, I've never had an experience like that in theaters where, I mean, I, at the end, I literally had goosebumps from head to toe. And I sat there with my mouth open, staring at my feet for five minutes. And I know that's hyperbole and people are going to be like, oh, you're just saying that. I I mean, you can ask my friend James, who was in the comments, who I saw it with. He, I, he, was, he thought something was like wrong with me, like I was sick or something, because I was sitting there just staring into space, just like. Yeah. The movie hit me to my emotional core. Like it literally rocked me down to my core. And I was just like my god because you think about it and you're just like it shows you how capable human beings are of destroying themselves and destroying other people and how evil we can be it shows you how messed up our government was and it even shows you which i didn't even know this but it shows you like how the cold war kind of started too yeah and like how, how the commu- how russia even got our information is because it showed you how was- like laid back they were and like hiring people on the project like they didn't do a lot of security clearance like they wanted to like oppenheimer was just bringing on all these scientists he's like come on come on like and he was a he was a part of a communist party before and like he was bringing people in and like barely checking them for security clearance they're still communists it's like they were so careless with the making of the bomb too and it's like Jesus, like, look, it's, it was shocking to see how careless they were making the bomb and, like, all how all these secrets got out to Russia. And now Russia created, because of Oppenheimer, basically the Cold War happened for 10, 15, however many years the Cold War ran. I think it was from the 60s to 80s or whatever. Yeah. And we're that's still, a huge deal. Yeah. And we're still, like, it's 2023. This stuff happened in the 40s, and we're still dealing with the ramifications of what happened in the 40s today man with nuclear war and the arms race and you it's still it's still a threat it's still an issue it's not like an old news thing like this thing is still going on and it's just like and especially if world war three ever kicked off like oppenheimer would still have a, have a role in that too because it's just like if russia yeah. uses their nuke and the united states uses their nukes it's just like because he added that guy fuchs was his name who was supposed to be British, but actually he was a communist for Russia who stole everything from the project and gave it to Russia. So from my understanding is Russia stole from us because Oppenheimer was so loosely loose with his people he added on to the project and wasn't keeping it secret like the army wanted him to. And Russia got it and now other countries have it and they built and created a war for years and years and we're still dealing with the ramifications. Like this is still, it's still crazy that something that happened 80 years ago now 80 years ago almost a hundred years almost a century ago is still affecting us like still relevant like this movie is still politically relevant to today 
Yeah, and it, it makes you take a deeper look at like what the gov what's what's the government's war objectives now and all that because it's just like Truman, like the, that that one scene with just him like mm -hmm. catching Oppenheimer off guard with his attitude is just like it, it, that's the type of president Truman is. It's just like who? Yeah, that was the, and that scene like unintentionally was disturbing. Like, yeah, I get. I don't know if it was just how Gary Oldman gave his performance, but Truman came off as like a disturbing character for me because I was just like, because he was just sitting there laughing it off, like, so what? We won the war. He was like, and like Oppenheimer was like, yeah, but there's like, think about all the people that died, and he was like, think of the ramifications. He's like, we won the war. He's he was like, you can leave now. He's like, just get out. Yeah, he said something like when Oppenheimer was like almost out the door, he said something to his uh secretary or whoever. Oh, he, that yeah, was. he said, Never bring that crybaby back in here again. It was like, Oh, I was like, My god, and it's just like, and you see, like Oppenheimer, he, he was he and he was a womanizer and he was a bad friend, and he, and he did. And like, there's even implications with that where like Florence Pugh may have been murdered, like, there's implications there that she was murdered. Because you see that black glove that's drowning her in the bathtub a few times in the movie. And yeah. like, it's like, it's, a, and then you get into government conspiracies with that. It's like, well, was, and like, you see like this, a lot of the scientists that w worked on the project, like one of them was like sent to the military. One was working on the railroad. Like they basically ruined their careers afterward. Man. Like they used, they basically used them for what they needed them for and then spit them out basically it's and then they like try to bury Oppenheimer. like yeah they try to bury him and everybody that worked on the project yeah they even like uh it's like they they tried to take his credibility from him knowing like everybody like if you watch the movie like for like all it takes maybe an hour and a half you would have like a good understanding on who oppenheimer is and still they built a case against him called him a straight up communist that doesn't support his country and it's like you're sitting there just watching the the investigation take place and it's just like we we know he's not a, a communist but they, they were going to surefire use that to, to throw away his credit and when they finally expose robert downey jr's character for leading the whole conspiracy against him in the first place uh and he ends up getting humiliated again because the first time he got humiliated is what put him on this war path. And then the second time, it's just like, wow, dude. And all of this was just over his security clearance, too. So it's. Yeah, then that was a, that's the other thing I want to talk about. It's how the, the rivalry like Robert Downey Jr. just kills it. He deserves the best supporting actor, too, in this in this movie. He's just like because you can tell like he is just. The, the the guy he's kind of on the outside of the and he wants to be a part of it but like the scientists won't let him and he's basically like oppenheimer just made him ashamed and it shows also like men's ego and like just because oppenheimer made those people laugh about what he did he basically went on this war path for a decade trying to destroy this man for a decade yeah. and like he even set up little things where he like he gave a paper to this guy to give it to this guy so he can't be it can't go trace back. back to him yeah it's just like jesus you had a vendetta didn't you like and it just shows you how like people in like this government are just so petty and the ego 
egos of them are just it's just and it's scary to think about people like that do run our country it's like my god like that's terrifying yeah it is man because it's just like if if he's willing to go that far to get the father of the atom bombs reputation destroyed over getting embarrassed in court like you just never know who your enemies are until it's too late and he's like leading him on like you got to sign this now if i were you and he's just like manipulating oppenheimer and i i feel like for some reason oppenheimer was on to him the entire time but he he needed he just needed more and more uh pieces to to put it together but at the same time in the movie they were they they kept like giving him red herring so he's always locked in on somebody because this whole investigation to get his security clearance taken away was this guy and his wife wasn't let wouldn't let none of it slide so she could not stand a lot of people that had to t talk against oppenheimer knowing what yeah. was all at stake she like she didn't even shake a, i think it was toller was the scientist's hand at that reception like she didn't even shake his hand because like he spoke out against oppenheimer and like that is a i mean that's a real wife because like she like he, she had to sit there and like listen to oppenheimer talk about his relations with another woman and like be embarrassed in front of the whole country and she still stayed with him that is a woman like that is a strong woman emily blunt played her perfectly she's a strong i mean she had her own issues she's obviously an alcoholic but like she was like a strong independent woman to hang in there with Oppenheimer and still stay with him after all, all of that. And like Oppenheimer basically, it was like he, he basically let it happen because he felt so bad for what he did. He was basically letting himself get attacked and let himself get destroyed. And because he was, he, he felt so bad about himself about what he did. But at the same time, he was also so egotistical and cocky and that's why i say he's morally ambiguous because you you can't really root for him 100 percent, but you can't hate him 100 percent either it's like you, you can't really point get your finger down on the guy like what does this guy really feel like what is i mean you can tell at the by the end of course that he's very remorseful for what he did but at the same time it didn't stop him from doing it because he wanted that glory and it's like yeah and that shows another aspect of men and like how far we're willing to go just to get recognition and glory like our egos how far our egos will take us and dude, his wife like telling him to keep fighting and like don't he like you have things that you need to fight for and like constantly reminding him about how uh what's all on the line and all that like she like if that if that's like a detailed like accurate depiction of Oppenheimer's wife. She was, she was a beast. She was, she was definitely a queen. Um, yeah, definitely queen. She, she deserves more yeah. recognition in history than if she was that like pivotal, because I mean, she was basically Oppenheimer basically gave up and she was basically making him fight doing the fight for him basically. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is a, their, their whole relationship was out of this world. Like, the fact yeah, that he could just cheat and get caught. I mean, to be fair, they started because, I mean, she was married to somebody else when they started getting together. So, I mean, she cheated too. And it's just like, just everything, every relationship in this movie is so complicated. Like his relationship, it shows his relationship with everybody is so complicated. And there's so many just nuances to like him and Albert Einstein, their acquaintances. You can tell Albert Einstein respects him. He respects Einstein, but they also have differences. 
and then him with Lewis Strauss back and forth is just who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character is just like they're enemies, but at the same time, Oppenheimer kind of respected him in a way, but then he also called him a lowly shoe salesman. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, man, like this guy was just he did not have a relationship in his life that was not complicated. Like his side piece, Florence Pugh, I mean, she was a communist and he knew it, but he still slept with her and he still had things with her because he obviously loved her. And like, you know, she was technically the only death in the movie that we saw. And it's, and that's still ambiguous. It's like, well, was she, because at first you think she committed suicide, but then it's when it shows flashbacks, it shows, you know, a black, and it's like, is that Oppenheimer thinking that she was killed? Or was she actually, is that Nolan hinting at maybe she was killed? And like, yeah. it just can't be proven? It was like one of those objective, subjective, like moments in the movie too. Uh, I honestly think like the black love pushing her head down and then maybe they staged it to where those pills were right next to the bathtub on purpose. So it looked like she drowned herself. Like that could take you down the rabbit hole for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and that's just like a small little detail of this plot. Like this movie is so huge, and like you yeah. go down so many rabbit holes with different. Like there's so many plot points in this movie that will take you down a million different rabbit holes. You could spend your whole life probably chasing the rabbit holes in this movie. Yeah, the rabbit the rabbit holes in this movie that they started were out of and this world. Like, because like she was a strong, independent woman. Like she she didn't show signs that she was crazy but then they try to say she had psychiatric problems and it's like well did she or was the government just saying that and they made it staged and looked like that so they could kill her because she was a communist like and there was a, even those comments where like casey affleck even shows up in this movie which was a surprise cameo you know ben affleck's brother as yeah the, uh, i forgot what he is he's like the security clearance guy or whatever and like you could tell that he was like trying to grill oppenheimer and you could like he wanted he had a vendetta against communists and he yeah. was like, he was willing to like basically do anything to end communists. And like, there was a gray area there where you're like, this guy, they may have killed some people in the making of this. Like, they, they may have some people off, you know? Yeah, they, they put some targets on people's back for sure just to get this movie out. Um, and just like, also, like, the fact that they spent over $2 billion and built a city just for the making of the bomb is crazy yeah this is yeah pick a location we'll build one right there we'll build a city right there for you guys to live in and it's like wow and oppenheimer's first suggestion when all of it's said and done is like yeah give it back to the native americans give the land back to the native americans and the government officials like you know we can't do that and it's like yeah, they're like well we need to keep it there to still work on this and yeah. oppenheimer because uh, because there's a scene where Oppenheimer basically says like the reason why, because we don't really know why he wanted to create it. Cause he gives it multiple reasons throughout the film, but he, the one he most gives is that he, he wanted to create it and then they, they use it. And it, he basically said, I hope they use it. And then they learn that like how terrible it is that it will stop all wars forever. Like that was yeah. his like, that was his main talking point of why he kept working on it. It's like, well, we're going to sacrifice these people because it's going to stop war forever by making this. 
And I'm like, man, you are so naive if you think that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> like once once we get that weapon, we're gonna make more of them. Yep, mass production. <laughs> we're gonna mass yeah. produce these babies, like, and like you even see it like afterwards, like he's left out, like Matt Damon, his character is like, I'll let you know as much as I can. And like, he didn't even hear about the bombing until after it was done. Like they just called him and it's like, and like, they basically just like, once the scientists were done with it, they were like, just like, bye guys. Like you gave Peace us what out. we needed. Bye. And like, ruined, like discredited them, made something called some of them communists, like made one of them. He was just became a railroad worker the rest of his life. And he was a genius. The other one was sent to the mill, sent to the war. It was like, they were like, getting rid of them just like nothing yeah that, some of those scenes I, I i can't remember too well but i definitely remember like seeing like it was like near the credits wasn't it like they were just revealing like what happened after everything went down yeah yeah and that's, I, that's another thing like this movie to really like absorb all the information you gotta watch it multiple times because yeah there's so much being thrown at you during this. if you haven't read the book like i'm guessing and i'm guessing even if you there's so much information being thrown like every second there's a new detail there's like oh well they did this because of this but then this guy doesn't like this guy and then there's like political problems with this guy and he's trying to go up for cabinet so he wanted to set up this guy it's like all this information you're just like i don't know what to do <laughs> It's like, man, I'm learning a little bit too much about the entire uh, cast of this movie. And like, I can see where you give it an A or A minus. I can see where I can see where you felt like it was slow in a few parts because I had that same. I was I was on the verge. I was going to give it an A minus. I was even thinking B plus. And then because the first two hours for me, the making up until after the explosion of the testing of the atomic bomb. It went by so fast. It flew. Uh, my friend checked his phone. He's like, we got like an hour left. And I was like, holy crap. I feel like I've only been in the movies 30 minutes. Like, man, I, I can't believe we're already two hours into this. Like, it went by so fast. But that last hour, it does drag. But there's so much information that no one had to put in there that it was like he couldn't leave any of like when I look at movies, I'm like, well, can you cut any cut any of this out? Like, can you cut any of this out? And when I look at it, there was not one scene he could cut because every like the, it was long and it was taxing, but he couldn't. There was not one piece of information he could leave out because you had to get you had to give all those little pieces for it to culminate at that ending to shock you the way it did. And yeah. like, like they had to do they there's nothing they could have cut out. So like, I'll tell you, like the last 45 minutes, I because, you know, uh, the theater we go to has recliners. I literally put the recliner down and I sat leaning. I was leaning forward because I was in the very back. So I wasn't bothering anybody. So I was leaning forward, like just glued to the screen. And I was like, okay. And I was just like engrossed, like lost in it. And then I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's wrap this up. And I was like, man, this is kind of, God, the pacing is really taking a hit in this last hour. Come on, Nolan. And yeah. then, the last 10 minutes you realize all that like 30 minutes that you just watched that you thought was kind of dull and you shouldn't have like oh you could have cut that and cut that you realize in the last two minutes oh he could not have cut any of this because then it all ties together in the last 10 minutes and it wraps up in a perfect bow and like he basically 
And then the final shot, like I said, the last minute of the film is one of the greatest innings in cinematic history for me. And like, like I said, blew me. Like I said, I'll say it again. Goosebumps, head to toe, had yeah. me staring, had me not knowing who I was for ten minutes, staring at my feet, mouth wide open, just emotionally and devastated. Just rocked me to my core. Rocked me to yeah. my core. And they had some lines in that movie that stuck with me forever. Like, I, I don't remember word for word half of them, but uh, I'm going back to again to see it in, in the near future for sure. Uh, there was some lines in there that Oppenheim, Oppenheimer would make about like women or something like that in the movie. And it was just like, wow, he is cold. And then oh, yeah, he it, was a womanizer. That same scene uh, where he's just like shooting his shot at at Emily Blunt's character, knowing she was married and all that, and it was just like, oh my god, the Oppenheimer was a cold dude. Yeah, like he wasn't just, and I like that about this. Like they didn't, because I I didn't really know what how what they were gonna do with this movie, how they were gonna portray him, and it just shocked me the portrayal because, again, after watching the movie for however long, you don't really get a you don't really get a point on them like you don't the whole time you don't really understand who he is even by the end of the movie you get enough where it's like okay that was a great movie it's you know but i think we got as much as we could have gotten like i think that guy he was so that so complicated that he just it's just he was just a very morally ambiguous guy and he wasn't all great but he wasn't all terrible either and it's just like what he did, I mean, for better, he, changed the that world. Is the most, yeah, that is the most honest portrayal of, of somebody I've, I've seen in a movie in a long time. I agree. It's like they, they, they held no, they, they held nothing back. Like, like you want to know if he's faithful to his wife? Watch this and put, put in his little communist affair in the movie and it's like but but you kind of you knew just enough about him to you understand like the scene where he's talking in front of that that crowd and celebrating the bomb dropping and he's saying stuff that he does he know he doesn't mean but he's like under all sorts of pressure you can like see the visual pressure in the background like i love that i love how no one did that and and in this when he's in the when strauss because like strauss sets him up where that he has a closed hearing where like he's not heard by the world he's in that little room he's like i'm gonna get him in this little room and like destroy his whole life basically and like he hired a guy that was and very anti-communist to like interrogate him and like you can see in scenes there like the background is just like vibrating and i was just like that is such a good visual tactic like such a good visual technique man yeah it's genius and i guess while we're talking about the technical spot this is a technical achievement upon I don't know. I mean, the fact that they used minimal visual effects in 2023 to make an epic like this, they blew an actual bomb up that simulated an atomic... Of course, they didn't use actual atomic bomb, but, like, the fact they actually did an explosion big enough to actually simulate an atomic bomb for real is insane. Like, Christopher Nolan is a madman. Like, how did you get the... How did you let the... How did the studio let you do this? Like... I guess the Dark Knight trilogy really gave you that clout because, geez. He's hungry. He is a hungry director. He's always going places that most people haven't been yet. 
and he's gonna keep going too. And like this movie, if it doesn't get an Academy Award for Best Cinematography, and oh my god, the sound design is insane. <sighs> Next That's level. The score, and it's not even Hans Zimmer, it's Ludwig Goransson who did uh, the Mandalorian score. Same guy that did the Mandalorian score. I think Hans Zimmer was busy, so he couldn't do this movie because that's usually no one's go-to guy, of course. But like Ludwig did just as good of a job. Like I, when I got home last night from seeing the movie, I listened to a few of the like the score stands out on its. There's a few parts, few parts of the score where I just I can listen to just to listen to because it's just great. Yeah, and the the sound design that they did with this, like certain random explosions throughout the movie to like to help you get to the next scene and like all those loud transitions with explosives. And it's just like, I kind of went deaf in certain parts of the movie, but I, I enjoyed it. The placement of it anyway. It's almost like jump scare type. Yeah. It's very jump scare. Like how they did the sound design. It was like those loud pops too. And it's just like, you're in the theater and you like, you're kind of caged in with all that loud noise too so if you were falling asleep you're going to wake up when that bomb goes off so yeah and i loved that is one of the best scenes for me in cinematic history is the the testing of the atomic bomb in that film because the countdown they start at 40 something seconds and you're just sitting there just so tense so tense and then like, like they're laying on mattresses on the outside and they're using welders glass and they're like laying on the mattresses it's like when you look back today, you're like, oh, my God, these people were exposing themselves to so much cancer. <laughs> like, if you like, think about uh, it, like, think uh, about how much cancer that was in that air that they were breathing. And, like, they didn't even think about that. Yeah, they, they were, like, doing every calculation they could to try to get as much distance between themselves and that bomb as possible. And it's just – and he, he was still on the fence about it. Like, yo, this – we might it might not reach us at a certain aspect of it but what if it does reach us yeah and what was absolutely insane that still blows my and it kind of haunts you when you think about it they didn't even have as they didn't even have a conclusive answer that this would not ignite the atmosphere like it was near zero but it wasn't zero so like there was they they still japan literally was on the edge of defeat germany had already surrendered i think when they tested it, they hadn't surrendered yet. I can't remember when they tested it, but I think they had already surrendered or were, or were on the fence or whatever. But like the fact that they took that chance and like they could have, they could have literally ignited the atmosphere and destroyed the whole world, like literally destroyed the whole entire world, set the atmosphere on fire where everybody would die. Absolutely everybody. And like they still took the chance just because we wanted to puff our chest and show that we were the strongest and like we were that egotistical that we were going to take that chance that even though it was a near zero then there's still that little chance that maybe we could end the whole world here we're still going to do it and i was just like, like my god we would have had an apocalypse in the 1940s and never even made it to 2023 i must say we would not be here filming this podcast like <laughs> we would all be dead or not even conceived like we would be gone we'd be wiped from the earth human beings would be gone and it's just like it's crazy to me that they they were willing to take that risk still because i i mean yeah it was near zero but still you're talking about the end of the world it makes you feel like it, they have really such a lack of regard for the human life 
and if it does and and like the way they put the whole thing together felt so sloppy like they built that town so fast and like oppenheimer was just like oh bring in this scientist from this place this scientist from this place and they're like well he may be a communist he's like oh i know him he's not a communist and it's like <laughs> they were so naive. like haphazard the, the way they it was such a haphazard pro the manhattan project was so haphazardly put together i mean yes they were like very tight on stuff but it, at the same time they weren't as careful as they needed to be obviously because it started a war for 20 years or whatever but like god but like that whole back to that whole scene of the atomic bomb exploding when you see the bomb exploding and no one just zooms in on it and the sound design completely goes out no sound whatsoever and you sit there and i'm just waiting for it to hit because i mean you know we learned about that about atomic bombs in school that like you know they go off but the sound doesn't hit you until however much later or whatever yeah, the after shock yeah and like we're sitting there and we just see the fucking the bright just the brightness of it it's just like blinds you and like they're all looking at it through welder's glass and everybody's like smiling so excited and you just see that fire and then like it's there's no sound this whole time though no sound and then all of a sudden the air hits you see the air coming and then just just oh my it almost knocks things over like we're from like from where they were at like it was pushing stuff back and it, it you could feel it like hit the building that oppenheimer was in like like whoa it, yeah and like it, it makes you feel that way in the theater like you're just being hit with an aftershock like it was so simulated realistic like it was just like and like i and like it's crazy for me to say that, but I seriously think it has the best ending, one of the best endings in cinematic history, and one of the best scenes in cinematic history. Absolutely. And like, if I'm gonna, honestly, honestly, this is probably the best movie of the year for me. Honestly, this is number one. Honestly, it's it's whew, it's just because i still think about it and like Bar yeah. barbie barbie's probably number two honestly if i'm gonna but there's like i said i have seven eight pluses so it's like my top seven is all great movies yeah but like oppenheimer just did something to me that movies rarely ever do like the way it just shook me to my emotional core made me think of like me as a human and like my mistakes in life and it's like it makes you think about even the littlest of your mistakes it's just like it's just like so it makes you so in, like introspective and it's just crazy that a movie about a, something that happened in world war ii as this big grand spectacle by this great director can still hit you on the most emotional like level personal yeah yeah like so personal like it still hits you so personal like the most personal level it's just absolutely insane to me how he pulled it off and it's crazy because i i don't know if this isn't his first film he's written but a lot of films he doesn't write but he wrote this one it's written and directed by him so like the fact that he did this is just like cinematic uh, yeah if he wasn't a goat before he needs to be on the mount rushmore now for directors because this movie you got to put him on the mount rushmore for greatest directors of all time now after this film i feel like yeah this is going to be a timeless film too. It's isn't it's not going to age at all. You know um, what this feels like to me, and like, oh lord, I feel like I'm going to get a hate for this. I feel like I'm going to be attacked. This feels like 
a movie as important as Citizen Kane, The Godfather, I, it feels it feels like our generation's Godfather, our generation's Citizen Kane. Citizen that's Kane, what, yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like now Citizen Kane is a little overrated, but like, so I don't like to put it up there with Citizen Kane. I would I would rather put it with because Godfather is a masterpiece. I'd put it with like our generation's Godfather. Basically, it's like such an important film by such a great filmmaker that's going to stand the test of time yeah i think like the results of citizen kane is probably like more on par with the results of oppenheimer but in my opinion oppenheimer is better than citizen kane like by a long shot like the citizen kane it was cool uh i didn't see the hype or hype around it either but calling it the best movie of all time and did before that birth of a nation was declared the best movie of all time and this movie about the ku klux Klan's, and it's yeah it's just like yeah I, I think oppenheimer has a great chance of dethroning those two yeah because citizen kane it's more of a technological achievement than it is a great film i would say yeah like and, this and feels honestly, more like a i don't know stanley kubrick 2001 space odyssey like i said francis ford coppola godfather it feels like one of those movies where it's like you can't believe how it was made the acting is incredible and like you are just in all of the directing and the cinematography and like all they did like this is a movie that will not be forgotten or shouldn't be forgotten hopefully it shouldn't be and i will say oh I can't say it's no one's best. It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. I, I want to say on a tech, if we're just going subject or objectively, not subjectively, if we're going objectively, it may be no one's best objectively. Subjectively, I put Inception over this still, and I still yeah. put The Dark Knight. I put Batman Begins. I put The Dark Knight. What else? I at least put those three over this, at least. Yeah, didn't he do... Uh, what was the Magician movie with... Uh, Prestige? Prestige, yeah. That, that Prestige was pretty good, too. Um, Prestige is great. It's underrated. He also did, like, Insomnia, which is an underrated thriller with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. I love all of them. Just, like, Memento, I mean... Man of Steel, too. He 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 wrote Man of Steel, but Snyder yeah. directed it. Yeah, that's another that's another thing he does never he never gets credit for. But like at the beginning of the DCEU, he had a big part on. Like he had he a really big part. In the beginning of the DCEU, like even on a he has a credit on Batman v Superman. I forgot what credit it is, but he has some kind of credit on that even. Yeah, Henry Cavill Superman is honestly high key more his than it is Snyder's Superman. I, I would I would call him stuff. Yeah, I would call him Nolan Superman. I wouldn't call him Snyder versus Superman, honestly. But because he, he wrote the crap out of that that script too, and his his scripts just don't miss. Uh, I think part of the reason why Oppenheimer has such a huge cast of superstars is because they saw the script and was like, "Yo, sign me on." It, well, and, I mean, like Robert Downey Jr. came out in the news and he said it's the best film he's ever been in. I was like, dude. It's like Robert Downey Jr. has been in a lot of great movies, so for him to call it the best film he's ever been in, I mean, man, and to see it for yourself and love the movie was like, yo, Robert was not reaching. Like, I, 
I can see where Robert's coming from. I can see where he would think it was the best film he's ever been. Now it's Endgame is still above this for me. I love Endgame so much, but like, yeah, on, on a acting level, filmmaking level, this is a better. This is more respect. This is more respectable. This is better because, you know, just the fact that they did, like I said, all practical mainly. I don't think it was all practical. I think there's a few visual effects. I think they pushed that a little bit just to get more hype for the film. But even if there was, I mean, I may look like an idiot if it comes out that it was all practical for sure. But even the fact that they used mainly all practical, we got a great performance by Killian Murphy. And hopefully he finally, he is, I think, I love Margot Robbie, but I think he deserves... Because I don't know if they do best actor and actress anymore. I think they just do best actor. I think they mm. took out the actress thing. I, I'm, I'm not for sure on that. But either case, if he doesn't win best actor at the Oscars for this film, I mean, somebody I don't, from that cast should. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Re, I don't respect the Oscars whatsoever, really anymore. Because mm. like they've been, besides giving Parasite best picture a few years ago, they ha, they've been pretty off. But. And they gave Moonlight Best Picture. They just that which deserved that. Yeah, that I was think. a good call on the, on their behalf. But besides those few calls, they make more. They have more misses than they have hits for me. So like, but it's such a prestigious thing. It's more about him getting recognition. And if if if, if he won Best Actor, he would get so many more roles and like much more recognition by the public. So like, I really want him to win Best Actor. Cause he is such an he's been there since I was a little kid in movies and like all these movies he's been in and like it's so nice to see him the front man he's like even Nolan came out in an interview and said this he's been in six Nolan movies now because he was in Inception yeah. the Dark Knight trilogy and uh I think he was in the Prestige too I could be wrong that. about that I think yeah and uh this was his first uh, film with Nolan where he was the... Oh, he's in Dunkirk. That's the other one. Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah. This is the only film that he's the leading man in. So that's like and, crazy. And you look at him, you don't you don't see you don't see Killian Murphy. You see Oppenheimer. Like I, he 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 is Oppenheimer for life for me. Like man, dude, he sold that role so well and. The, the the whole cast brought their a game so if he didn't get best actor somebody from that movie deserves it like emily blunt went hard um robert downey went hard but robert downey should get a best supporting actor nomination yeah. at least nominated i don't i don't know if he should win but he should at least get a nomination yeah i think gonna be, i honestly think ryan gosling should win best supporting actor yeah. nomination yeah he's gonna go neck and neck with ryan for sure but it's just like, Oscars. man, it's just like these two movies, when you're done with them, you're just like, man, I just love cinema. Like, because what other what other medium can you get those kind of feelings that you get from Barbie and Oppenheimer and like how it's just made social media just stand still for the last month. It's just like crazy. All of the people, all these people that I know for sure aren't big into films or whatever and they're posting about it and i'm just like the gatekeeper in me is like no film that's me like you don't know anything about film stop it but then yeah and then i and then I'm, my smart brain turns on and i'm like 
this is amazing that all these people are loving film and like getting into film now. And it's like, it's so great that people are respecting film. And it's like, it's, it really feels like, you know, people say Top Gun Maverick brought people back to the movies. I feel like Barbenheimer was even bigger than Top Gun Maverick last year, which is crazy to say because Top Gun Maverick was huge last year. Huge. But like, yeah. Barbenheimer might be, might top it. I'm not I'm not even a Top Gun fan, but it's like I went in with no bias for either Barbie or Oppenheimer and I came out even more in love with film watching those movies than I did watching anything else. And that's where I go to, and like Oppenheimer really inspired me in like the script wise and like writing wise and it's just like directing wise it's like it still can be done like cuz we live in this world I mean superhero i mean that's our thing we like superheroes that's our thing but like the we just we just got the flash and it's just like all terrible cgi and then we get a movie like this where it's all practical i mean i'd argue it's tougher to stimulate an atomic bomb explosion than to do some of the stuff they probably could have done with practical in the flash and like they did it and like you can still do it right you can still do it right guys like it makes you think like should james gunn pick up the phone and call chris call chris and tell him to come back like he he sets the bar so high for other directors it's insane i which i think i think he's come out and said he'll never do another superhero movie is the thing though i think that's why. yeah i think that, that's why they don't he, 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 he could he could honestly save that genre yeah like he, if if Nolan got serious about like Marvel or DC, like that that genre probably wouldn't have so much fatigue, and in high criticism for the CGI as it, as it is right now. Oh yeah, and like like I said, I was thinking after watching Oppenheimer, no one needs to do a horror movie next. I want to see a Nolan horror film because like some of the images in Oppenheimer are hor like horrific like they did disturb like I they're stuck in my brain like I think about like when he's walking and you just hear him step on it and you hear a crunch and then he looks and it's a it's a body that's ash that he's just yeah. stepped in I mean it's obviously not there it's in his head but like just that image and just like seeing that image of that little girl and her face is peeling off it's just like there's so much like disturbing imagery in this film as well that it's just like Nolan man you need to come to horror. You need to do a horror film. I feel like you could be up there with the exorcist and hereditary and stuff like that. He really would like to be able to hang with a 24, like right out the bat with his very first horror movie. Like that'd be like a huge praise and that solidify his role as a goal. If, if, if he did that and succeeded. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's touched obviously drama action superhero horror would be really his next thing that he needs to really hit i think historical biopic now i mean he's done it all except horror really and he's yeah. he, uh, this is this is our campaign that's starting today next no one film needs to be horror yeah I, i'm thinking he should like the way that he treated oppenheimer uh i think he should pick a serial killer and then do a biopic on like what the day-to-day -day life is of that serial killer is that would make a great horror that would blow my mind I don't especially think nolan my mind would melt if he did that <sighs> like if he did a serial killer film oh my god i mean he technically has with insomnia mm -hmm. with robin williams as the serial killer but like 
which is insane, which is a great movie you guys need to watch. If you haven't seen Insomnia by Chris Nolan, go watch it. Al Pacino, Robin Williams, great thriller. But anyway, if he did like a famous one though, and like really like dove into the character and did a study like he did on, like you said on Oppenheimer. Oh my. Dude. Insane. Insane. Just like, I don't know what more to say about Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is just blew me away. Beast. A beast. A straight beast. But you say you, you're still on the AA minus category just because you felt the pacing was a little. Um, I honestly want to go back and give them a second chance. Uh, the, on, the only reason why it's not a B, C, or anything lower than that is because the movie is just that important. And I and I felt like it was going to be relevant until the end of time. So the fact that Chris just put out something at that level, it can't be anything less than an A minus for me. Um, so like yeah, I see. I, so like you have more respect for it than you maybe have enjoyed the viewing. Yeah. And I can I can see I can totally see that because it is like because there was a few times where it jumps back and forth so much like it jumps into the past, jumps into the and then the present. But like the how he, I feel like all that comes together in the last 10 minutes, that's why I give it an A+ plus and I think it's a masterpiece. But like I can see where some people would think that like would not like that and like get bored, especially the last hour because once because like you come to see the atomic bomb, so then like the last hour is a lot of just courtroom stuff. Yeah. So I can I can I can totally I can totally see where like people will be like, well, I respect that, but I don't really love it. Like I can, and I can get behind that completely. Like I'm a Nolan fanboy, but like I can totally, I can respect that, and like I don't have a, I'm not gonna hate on somebody with that. Cause like I can see that, like I can see a lot of people going coming out of this movie like, oh my gosh, that movie was so long. Like it didn't yeah. need to be that long. Or like, why? Like I will never watch that movie ever again. Or like stuff. I could see that. So like, yeah, it's like the to to know what type of value and what Oppenheimer brings to the table. I I don't know. I I don't think personally I could ever fix my mouth and say that I my time was wasted when I was in there. I don't think I could ever say that and actually mean it. Like you go in a movie, you paid attention just enough to understand like the ramifications for building this atomic bomb go way outside of just like people dying. It it, it leads into more nonsense after that. And it's, it's like, wow. Like I honestly going to go back, watch it again. Uh, and when it comes out on DVD, I might just own it just to say that I got it because it's it's going to be worth something huge in the future. It's just, it's just one of those, I think it's just a landmark film. It's one of those landmark films where you're going to be like, this was a film that came out in 2023. That's going to stand the test of time. And I feel like that's what we, what we can say for both of these movies we talked about so far is Bobby and Oppenheimer is both just landmark films. And like, it's funny that Barbie's, a landmark you're saying barbie's yeah i'm saying you know barbie's a landmark film but it literally is i mean it yeah is. It's, it's based off of a plastic doll but like the things they did with that is just so impressive and like both of these films are landmark films for this year for sure yeah it shows you how how, how much potential these two directors have too because greta is not not to be played with her her list of movies too and 
you've mentioned that earlier so it's chris and Greta got a promising future at the rate that they're going right now yeah and like technically i mean this is greta's only th her third film she's directed was barbie so i mean yeah she's i mean she's technically just getting just starting just getting going i mean no one this is his 10th film 10th 11th it's somewhere around there so he's he's done it a bit longer than her but like i feel like both of them are easily going to be remembered as some of the greatest filmmakers i feel like yeah they're they set the bar high for this generation like christopher nolan i don't know if i can call him this generation or not but the fact that he's so persistent and and consistently good he, he he could he could blend in from like two diff two or three different generations and and, and still be relevant in, in every movie he makes i mean i'd say it's this generation because i mean the the dark knight trilogy still everybody still talks about the dark mainly the dark knight they should talk about batman begins more but like the, the dark knight and then inception is still talked about a lot memento still has a place in film schools and it's like you know i feel like every film school you'd go to you're gonna hear about memento right so, I mean, just because of yeah. what it did and how revolutionary it was but like man oppenheimer yeah <laughs> we we gave we gave Barbie and Oppenheimer so much praise during this show, and then yeah. we got to follow up with Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, well, so that'll be a short. And like, I hate to say this because like after, but after watching these movies, it makes Mission Impossible. And I love Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise, but it makes Mission Impossible look less desirable. Like it makes it like mm, can't hold a candle. <laughs> It really can't and like i've seen all the mission impossibles i will say i haven't been i was i've never been a long-term fan i became a fan in 2018 i want to say 28 before fallout came out i knew fallout was coming out so a few months beforehand i watched all all five of them before fallout came out and then i saw fallout fallout is still the greatest movie in the last the greatest action movie in the last decade along with john wick chapter four i'd say those two are the two greatest action movies of the last decade but dead reckoning is probably i put it top three mission impossible films top four top three mission impossible films it is right up there and if if they bring it home with part two it's kind of the same thing as across the spider-verse if they bring it home with part two this one will go up more part one will even go up even more because it is Tom Cruise is a master of stunts, of course, but really the stunts in this movie aren't as remarkable as they are in Fallout. I mean, they kind of are, but if you really think about what he did, because he rides a motorcycle off a cliff, and then he, and then he speed. I forgot what it's called. It's called a speed wing, I think it is. And it's a type of a parachuting. And apparently it's very – I didn't know this until after the movie. Apparently it's very, very dangerous if the wind hits your – parachute the wrong way you can really just fly into something and die just like that but like he did that for this movie and like i watched some behind the scenes to learn more about it and uh this was the first thing they shot of the entire movie because they said that if he if that he didn't get it if, that i mean he had such a there was such a prominent chance of him dying that they shot this first 
because if he died they wouldn't have had a movie obviously so like they shot this this is the first scene they shot of the entire movie and they studied it and they like scripted it and like wrote it out and like made sure they did every step for like two years i think they worked on this stunt and like in the movie it seems small compared to some of the other stunts in the mission impossible films because he literally just rides a motorbike off a cliff and then he jumps off and he has and then he parachutes onto a train but it is absolute it is insane it is absolutely just peak tom cruise that he did that and then yeah and they said that the first time it happened they had a miscommunication on the radio like the radio's messed up and like they were supposed to radio them when he was safe but they couldn't get the signal up so for uh for like 30 minutes they said the casting crew of the film actually thought he had died because it went because ra- it went radio silent so they just thought he went down and died like wow that's just like absolutely crazy to hear but like Tom Cruise you madman what are you doing <laughs> 60 years old you madman but like he respect to that man because like he's still with Top Gun Maverick and now this he's bringing people back to theaters just as much He's doing everything he can to give that cinematic experience that people want. He he makes the best blockbusters easily now. Yeah. And the Mission Impossible franchise is one of the best franchises ever. I mean, you because it is a franchise, you could say the last, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, how many is that? Five, the last five. So, like, the, the last five films can be considered the best one in the series that's how good that's how consistent they are on quality and like i'd give this movie an a almost an a minus i'd go if we're doing out of 10 8.5 or 9 out of 10. it's yeah. not perfect there is because they use and this is another one they use a lot of practical effects but with the train the train sequence at the end that there's a sequence on the train and it goes off the rails and it's a lot of cgi and because they use practical so much in the film, the CGI is more noticeable when it's because you go from practical to CGI. So it's so it's your eye just knows it's just more noticeable. So that stood out to me. And a lot of people were saying that this ended. And I'm going to stand up for Spider-Verse here, Across the Spider-Verse, because people were still yeah. hating on Across the Spider-Verse about like, oh, it feels like half of a movie. I feel like Across the Spider-Verse is more satisfying as a, of a first part than this one is. Because people were saying that Unlike Across the Spider-Verse and unlike the Fast and Furious 10, Fast X, whatever, I didn't watch it, but like apparently it ends up in a part one action, part one way too, that unlike those two movies, Dead Reckoning ends in a satisfying way where you feel like you got out enough of the movie and you could watch it on its own and it'd be a thing and you feel satisfied. I felt that way with Across the Spider-Verse. After this movie, when it ended, I was like, I don't really feel satisfied. Like I, I want to see part two. Like I like I feel like this movie doesn't stand enough on its own. Whereas once part two comes out, I mean that if it's part two is great, that will not be an issue whatsoever. But for right now, I didn't feel satisfied with the ending. And people are gonna think I'm crazy for absolutely nuts for that. Because all the reviews I've watched, I've watched a few reviews just to see other people's gauges on it. I don't know. They say that uh, it ends in a satisfying way. Like, you feel like you got your money's worth. You feel like you're in there. And this movie's almost three hours, too. It's two hours and 40-something minutes. And it 
feel and it the pacing is great like i will say that about this movie pacing is phenomenal it does not feel it feels like an hour and a half it flies by the movie flies by but at the end i was a little disappointed at the end i felt a little let down a little disappointed by the ending i was like well okay yeah i honestly i just yeah yeah that's when it when it i hope the part two of this is going to be like the final mission impossible movie um i hope so because at eight eight it should be a good number to wrap wrap up the entire series like once you like finish the eighth movie i'll probably watch all eight of the movies in like a marathon and get caught up to where everybody else is at that's another issue too is they're so con- like which again i i watched this with a friend who had never seen any of the mission impossibles and i this is a sin to some film fans, but I sent him a YouTube video that basically goes through all, explains the last six, because he 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 didn't have time to watch all of them because there is six of them you have to watch before you watch this one, so he yeah. didn't have time to watch all of them. So if I knew the YouTuber, I'd plug the YouTuber, but like I forgot the YouTube name. But there's a YouTuber that did a video and he basically it's a 13 minute video and he sums up the last six movies and it's great. It really does catch you up because like I've seen all six, but last time I watched them was five years ago. Like I haven't seen fallout yeah. theaters. I haven't seen any of them since fallout. So five years. So like I, my memory was a little fuzzy on them too. So like I watched it with them and it does, it, it brought me back up to speed and I was like, okay, I remember everything now. And like, even with him, it gave him enough where like, he came out of the movie, giving it an A, he gave it like a nine out of 10 and a, he said he loved it. And like, and this, that was his first mission impossible film. Wow. So that's a good testament to this movie that, I mean, you don't have to know to love it because it is impressive. There's great action. Haley Atwell, who you may know as Peggy Carter, Captain Carter, whatever you want to call her. She is a great new character in this film. I can't wait to see her in part two and what they do with her in part two. She's great added character. The villain is actually relevant to today. The villain is basically AI. It's not really a person this time. It's AI. And like you can see the ai like you can see it being realistic to today like if this movie was made back in like 10 years ago it may be a little unrealistic but like where we are now especially this year where we're on the brink of ai right now it is very relevant and it's actually it's kind of the villain is actually one of the best villains in the franchise even though it's just not even a person or an actor it's just a it's called the entity and it's yeah. just it's one of the best villains in the franchise because it is terrifying because we are on the brink of AI in real life. And it is like, I hope AI does not get to where it gets in this movie because it is, there's some, there's some actually like creepy stuff done with it. But yeah, like mission impossible dead reckoning part one left me a little disappointed with the ending. I don't think it ends as well. I don't think the criticism against across the spider verse is good as uh, a right criticism because I feel like Across the Spider-Verse is more satisfying at the end than this is. But at the same time, it's still an A for me. It's I'll give it a nine out of 10 because it is, it is a great movie. It is the third, fourth best mission impossible movie. And that's not anything because like the first, there's two of them I'd give an A plus to ghost protocol and fallout are my two favorites. If people want to know, it's, Tom Cruise is amazing. Great new characters in Haley Atwell. 
the whole cast and crew that comes back, Bing Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, all of those actors that come back do great in the roles that they play in. And it's uh it's another Mission Impossible movie where the villain is not actually somebody, it's a thing and it's relevant to today and it's terrifying and there is some implications and I really want to see how part where part two goes. But I will say this is a movie that I have not thought about much after seeing it just a week and two days ago. Man. It hasn't really stuck with me. Like it hasn't really been sitting like across the Spider-Verse, I still think about it. Guardians Volume Three, I'm still thinking about. John Wick Chapter Four back in February, I still think about. Whereas this, it's kind of left my brain. And that's kind of a bad thing. And so, but overall, very positive on the film. Great film. If you're a Mission Impossible fan, you have to watch it. If you're not, I still recommend you watch it. Because like I said, I had a friend who didn't know anything about it. And he still loved it. And just another movie that tries to use practical. And like Tom Cruise risks his life just to entertain us. And I feel like that should be supported. Because I mean, the man risked his life. Yeah, he's willing to die for this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> crazy crazy but like it's it's got some great action scenes it is a great stunt he does it is it is like you hold your breath it is there is some intense scenes where you're holding your breath for 10 20 minutes and like it is overall a great action film and one of the best in the series yeah i can i can definitely respect that because i i'm probably at the point where i'm just gonna wait till it hits streaming services so i can watch the other six in front of it um and like probably pace myself because they're probably long movies and just watch it like one a day or something until i'm all the way caught up yeah um, i would say that i hate to say that i'm gonna say it i hate to say it but i'm gonna say it you can stream this one yeah i don't i love tom cruise he risked his life for it he wants people to see it in theaters and yes if you're a mission impossible fan if you're a true film fan yes go see it in theaters but at the same time barbenheimer's happening i feel like they're more more important if because i know time movies movie tickets are expensive time is valuable i get it so like if you had to pick Go with Barbary and Oppenheimer over this one if you're going to pick to see, which is sad, but I, I don't want to say that because I want people to support this movie in theaters, but you can wait. It can, it yeah. can, it's well, not anything. I feel like you can get the same experience in, at home with this movie that you can in yeah. theaters, whereas Barbie and Oppenheimer, I feel like there was a certain experience you got with seeing it in theaters that you can't replicate at home, whereas this... You kind of can, which is sad to say, because Tom Cruise, I love you, man. You risked your life for this movie. <laughs> but I will say, if you do stream it, pay to stream it at least. Give it some yeah. money. But, like, you can wait to stream it overall. But, yeah, I still think it's it's a great action movie. It's, it's great. It's not – it's top ten of the year for me. It's top ten of the year, but it's not top five. It's not – John Wick Chapter 4, action level. Mission Impossible Fallout's better. But this movie could go up with Part 2. It's just waiting for Part 2. It's a thing. 
Yeah, and a lot of franchises that make it past like the third or fourth movie, like I usually, it, it's hard for me to stay interested and invested in them. Like for Indiana Jones, it was nostalgia that kept me on board. And, but after seeing Dial of Destiny, I, it was a little bit more forgettable, especially now compared to Oppenheimer and Barbie. So I I figured like Mission Impossible being on their seventh film, it's like, do I want to start it? Is it worth the investment? Or should I just stream it whenever I have a lot of time on my hands? I say do it like that. I, I honestly, I wouldn't say go see it in theaters. I'd say just go, just kind of like, kind of like you binge Netflix shows, just binge the Mission Impossible series and do it that way. If you have not seen the Mission Impossible movies, but if you're a Mission Impossible fan, definitely go see this one in theaters. It is one of the best movies. Absolutely. That's probably my final verdict on it it's it's an a nine out of ten it's uh it's great tom cruise is great it's it's a great movie it is it is it really is i uh it's i respect it what tom cruise does is insane but yeah it's it's about hope well hopefully we're there about one movie away from ending the franchise once and for all so that'd be a good good way to close out yeah and i mean i will say it is outstanding that a franchise is at their seventh movie and it's still great like the fact that there's great and they're on their seventh movie and it's still great like this is definitely a testament to tom cruise and the workers on mission impossible that it's still this good this late in the game when the first one came out in the 90s, 96. Like the first one came out about two years before I was born. Man. Before I was born. I was born in 98. This one came out, it came out in 96. So the fact that it came out in 96 and this franchise is 2023 and it's still this great is just a feat in and of itself. And it deserves all the praise that it's getting for sure absolutely I, I i got i got mad respect for the director behind these movies um and, and tom cruise too i'm not really a tom cruise hater so it's yeah but, I, I, I always love tom cruise he is crazy obviously he, he has some crazy ideas of why he's kind of wacky but yeah he wants you to have the best time you can have at the movies and he's willing to risk his life to give you the best time at the movies and that is he is the last action star he is the last movie star he is you see a movie for tom cruise like it's the, we, we really don't have that anymore like used to you had stallone and schwarzenegger and who else john wayne even back in the day and people like yeah. that and like you don't really have steve mcqueen i guess james dean people like like, like movie stars like you really don't have like i mean ryan gosling is one but really it's more it's more uh ip based now it's more based yeah. on properties than it is the stars where tom cruise is it's more the star than the property i think but but like the collaboration because i mean the, the first movie is directed by a completely different person than the seventh movie like it's usually each a new person directs each movie except the last three or the last four once Dead Reckoning Part Two comes out, has been the same director, Christopher McQuarrie, who's a really good director. Uh, the fact that uh, it's still this consistent when it switches directors, it switches writers, 
but it's just it's a, a cinematic feat and it deserves all the praise it's it's getting and it is getting overshadowed by barbie and oppenheimer yeah. and i will say they shouldn't have put it out a week before barbie and oppenheimer they should have they should have waited because that was it, bad timing for the movie but yeah to go up against the money and the time please go see it in theaters because it deserves all the love it's great yeah to go up against nolan and gert gertwig uh it's you're going against barbie yeah (laughs) one of the most well-known names you got margot robbie ryan gosling i mean you're going against huge stars there too so yeah to all-star cast in both films and it's just like tom cruise versus all of them and it's clearly so it's unfortunate the time it came out but it deserves if you have the time and the money definitely go see this one too in theaters if you can but if not i understand and you can stream it it's not barbie and oppenheimer are more important i think to see right now i think this this one can wait but it's still if you can do see it yes sir that's that's all i had for uh mission impossible and if if you're all set then we probably talk about what what the next movies might be on the next episode yeah uh shoot what is coming out uh talk to me a24 a24 of course uh Blue Beetle will be out in a few weeks. I think it's like August 17th or something. Yeah. So I don't, Blue Beetle, maybe. I don't We're kind of getting... August and September is kind of a slower month, usually for movies. But I, I will say I, there is a few. Talk to Me is the real one. I'm, I'll probably really want to talk about Talk to Me. So that'll, that'll be on the next one for sure is Talk to Me. And then maybe... I think the nun too might be getting close too. But nun hmm. too. Uh, Let me see. Have... Real, pull up real quick. What's coming out? August. They got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I will be watching that. So. Yeah, and then. I think like the haunted mansion is is actually in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, it comes out with talk to me. Same week as talk to me. So we're looking at for August. We're looking at the Meg Meg two. I'll, I'm I may watch Meg two. I may not. That's and if I kind of like the first Meg, but it's not one I'm like crazy on. I would say probably talk to me and maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will be the next two. Yeah, cause we, we might we might do Blue Beetle on like the Saturday Night Nerds, so just take one of these off your hands. Whichever yeah, one be, you don't yeah, like. Be, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. You, you guys can have Blue Beetle because, like, I don't feel like I'm gonna have much to say on Blue Beetle on it. Like, I'm excited for it. I, I am gonna go see it, but like, I don't, I don't. I'm. You guys can talk about it. I don't. I don't need to be talking about it. 
Yeah, it, I, it's I, a lot of that. I might like, I, I could come in and give my, a few two cents, but like, other than that, I don't really care to. So, all I'm seeing really is Haunted Mansion and really Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Talk to Me. It'll probably be, so it'll be somewhat of those three. It's especially expect talk to me for sure a24 horror oh yeah i'm there yeah i i, I had to check that out too because there's a lot of hype generating around that i, I keep seeing hype everywhere Fam apparently it was shown at film festivals a long time ago now or something and it's like i've been seeing so much hype about it like oh my god this is hereditary level this is terrifying it's grabs you by the hand takes you straight to hell types i'm like take me there then please like because i'm a, i guess i'm a sicko take me to hell i want to <laughs> be terrified terrify me please <laughs> it has been a terrible year for horror i will say that horror has been a rough year it's last year was so much better for horror yeah it was and honestly the the trailer doesn't do it any justice i, you know, I, I, I bet it will yesterday before oppenheimer and i was just like uh this looks like a derivative film like i've seen i've seen stuff like this before like so i'm hoping it shocks me yeah because watching like the trailers for hereditary and freaking midsummer it's just like i didn't i never knew what i got myself into and then i yeah. went to go see it and <sighs> yeah but i i have faith if it's this is a24 before the name i have faith that's my thing absolutely i'm at a24 and if you're watching this a24 i am I'm, you're you're not, i know you're not watching this a24 because i'm not famous but if you are to ever see this a24 my favorite studio i own socks that have a24 on it i have a24 socks i have a24 jacket i have a24 long sleeve shirt i have bought multiple merchandise from your website because i support you so much i see all your movies in theaters and i'm also have a film degree so i mean I saw you, you gave talk because talk to me is actually directed by two YouTubers who do creepy shorts. It's two new directors that I've only done YouTube shorts. They do creepy shorts on YouTube is what I've heard. So, I mean, they're just like us basically. So like yeah. me and Deontay here, you know, he'll have his degree in a while. We'll, I mean, we're right here. A24, we're right here. We know horror. <laughs> we'll cook up something. We'll cook up something good for you guys for sure. This looks like a shameless plug and a begging, but I, I am begging you, H24. I'll pay you. Let me let me direct something for you. Like, come to me, please. We were just going to say this in the interview anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah, if H24 came to me, I'd be like, I don't need to read the script. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, what makes you think you should work for us? Well, let me show you this podcast real quick. <laughs> well, pull out my socks, lift up my pants, show my socks. Well, I'm wearing your socks. <laughs> I literally that is not a that is not a joke. I bought socks off the A24 website. Uh, no, nah, I might go and do it. <laughs> I I have a I have a jacket. I have an A24 jacket. It's awesome. It's very stylish. I have it. And then I have a very stylish long sleeve A24 shirt. I'm trying to get an A24 hat, but they're always sold out. So A24 get some more hats on your store, man. But uh, yeah. Jeez. This is my plug, A24 contact me you know where to contact me actually you probably don't but <laughs> you do because jacob's film perspectives dm my instagram i'm i'm 
willing to direct. I mean, you're hiring these YouTubers. We're technically YouTubers. We're content creators here. Yeah. And don't forget about my boy Deontay here. He's he, I, he's coming <laughs> along. We're we're a double. We're a team. You can't hire so, one without the other. Nope. And it's like, like we know horror. Is it, like we could be the next Duffer Brothers. You never know. Like <laughs> exactly. We know horror. We know horror better than probably these people that directed talk to me. I'm not. That's not a. That's not a disrespect to the directors that talk to me. I'm just saying we probably know horror more. So you know what? Give us a chance. That's all we need. One shot. Just one not shot. Not our chance to blow. Just give her one shot. Just don't ignore the Missouri, the Missouri stuff that we're from Missouri. I know we're small town guys, but you know what? We can do big things. Okay. We got we potential. <laughs> we have great potential. I mean, look at us. We're on a podcast. We're in the middle of nowhere, and we have a movie podcast. Look what we're doing in the middle of nowhere. Like exactly thoroughly reviewing movies like professional critics we're over here reviewing movies we we deserve a rotten tomatoes certified certification like seriously like we're in the middle of nowhere out here seeing movies reviewing them giving in-depth thoughts we know people love it so come on a24 give us a shot absolutely and subscribe to our youtube channel while you're at it <laughs> subscribe and like as well yeah, like this video, share it with your friends, tell them all about Jacob's Films Perspective. And SNN. And SNN. <laughs> Don't forget about Saturday Night Nerds Network. Can't forget about it. Here. You, and actually, you, you see that? And, and, he's, and he's rocking this shirt, too. You see that? You guys you guys are jealous, I know. You wish you could have this shirt. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the best shirt I own. I, own, I, I wear this shirt. If I could wear it every day, I would. Where I'm wear, I'm gonna wear wear mine with the matching A24 socks, so they know like I'm committed to both teams. Exactly. Like, I mean, you guys wish you could have this shirt. We'll Man. even give you A24. You can get a free Saturday Night Nerds podcast if you hire us. You can get a free shirt mm -hmm. if you hire us. You definitely gotta have. You definitely gotta have the shirt to support yourself in the summertime. Get you some short sleeves, something cozy good design it's, on it that's a very comfortable shirt great design i mean come on guys you can't go wrong you can't see this is your chances to get our merch now before we blow up and then yeah, the prices go that. up yeah it's a, if a24 executives if you're listening to this you will have a limited edition saturday night nerds podcast shirt that only members of saturday night nerds have you can't just buy the shirt you have to be nope. a part of the team. This is like, you can't go anywhere and buy this shirt. This isn't like a YouTube thing where you can go on a Redbubble and buy it. Like, you have to be a part of the team. So, like, you can get this shirt that nobody else is wearing but the team. And then we could start selling it. And then you would have a limited edition shirt at the same time. You'd, you'd, be, you'd pretty much be initiated into our cult. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you're, you're an honorary member of Saturday Night Nerds if you hire us. Absolutely. Join join now while you have the chance. Because once we and you know what? Get Jenna Ortega in the cast, please. I would love to work with her and get uh who else should we get? Get get some other good I know you can't get big actors, H you like to work with smaller people actors usually. Get Jenna Ortega, get who's another one? Bring me a golf back too. Mia yeah. Goff. Get a Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega. Because think about them two together in a film. They bring up so many fans. They have huge fans. Get them together. Get a script. 
mm-hmm. and more directed. They've been, they've already got their experience with a twenty four movie, so it wouldn't be crazy to keep them around. I love how I've been playing for a twenty four for ten minutes now, <laughs> begging, just begging, just shamelessly begging. And like you, you, you're you're more forward thinking than I am because I'm just like, man, a twenty four is a great idea. See, I have to I'm, work for them. I'm I'm not. What's the song? Ain't too proud to beg. Yeah, that's me for a twenty four. I'm I'm willing. Also, another shout out while we're here, Neon. Neon is another company. A24, if you don't get me, Neon will get me and Deontay. Absolutely. And Neon is uh, basically like the new A24. They're up and coming. I mean, they did Pig with Nicolas Cage and Sanctuary, which is a great film that I watched recently. That's my other A+. Uh, That's another A+, from this year. So, like, one of you guys hire us. You you won't be you won't regret it. Yeah. Just cause... see how just watch how we talk about movies. I mean, we know our stuff. Absolutely, because I if I wind up with Marvel Studios someday, I might be harder to reach than I am now. So exactly, he's gonna be taken soon. Or this yeah. One. I can't even I can't even point right. He, <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be gone soon by one of DC or Marvel's gonna take him. So like yeah. you, you have to pick him up now. <laughs> we're gonna have the we're gonna have the uh director draft seriously yeah like, like he's gonna be gone so like he's gonna be making the new superhero and the new avengers 5 whatever which whatever one we get to i don't know but like he's gonna be making those and i'm probably gonna be out here making drive like movies i can't even movies like drive or drive <laughs> like movies gosh i need to do the mirrored version so i can do it right but like yeah drive like come on dude top tier man everybody that tuned in man we appreciate you guys uh we'll, we'll, we'll set you guys free and um hopefully you guys enjoyed the three movies and the reviews that we did on them so yes sir episode five is coming soon stay tuned for that announcement um on the, the the day that we'll go live for that and who's all gonna we, we might even look at getting some special guests in, on here uh the review movies with us soon too i have i do have uh a couple people that have mentioned to me that they, they like to be on the podcast so you may see some new faces on the next episode so that's another plus you know absolutely get some fresh faces up in here and there's some fresh perspectives and you don't have to hear me and jacob agree on everything all the time and, <laughs> and then, it's because it's, it's our taste is that good though so that's true exquisite taste yeah and then and maybe it maybe nick might show face again soon as well and then he can give us a hot take that'll blow the world away yeah i i would have i'm you know i love nick but I, I would have been afraid to hear his thoughts on Oppenheimer and Barbie because he probably would have had a take that would have really hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We had to tell him, catch me outside. How about that? Yeah. But <laughs> you guys go see Barbie and Oppenheimer. What do you, if you haven't seen it, why'd you watch this? We talked in depth about it. What are you doing with your crazy self? But like, still go watch it. It doesn't matter. Watch. It's not, it's not like experiencing it for yourself. Go watch it. 
Yeah, you'll get your money's worth. Yeah, you wouldn't. You won't be disappointed. Don't listen it's to not, the haters. It's not a waste of time. Nope. Barbenheimer is the perfect time. Absolutely. And the, thank thank you guys again for everything. Um, we will get get at you about our more, more shows and more new episodes and everything that's coming out. Uh, so we'll see you guys next time. That is it 